The following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where we will talk, hopefully, for the next three hours, nothing but sports. And also, we got the Olympics. We got the Olympics going on too, so we're probably gonna we're probably gonna dive into the Olympics as well. Uh, and the reason why I say hopefully is because if anybody listened to last week's show, we got cut off after the second hour because for some reason mm-hmm. Blog Talk decided to disconnect me. I don't know why, but I didn't touch anything. That's all I know. Uh, anyways, if you guys want to call in and talk some sports with uh, Lou and myself, you can call in at 657-383-1308. We will hopefully be live on the air for at least the next two hours before we go into the hour after show. Uh, I do want to touch upon, uh, Lou, I yeah. wanted to do this last week. I was going to do this last week uh, when JB right. had joined in, but... Because we got uh, because we got uh, d- disconnected, uh, we yes. didn't get a chance to talk about it. But I want to talk about the MLB draft, as uh-huh. we saw quite quite the surprise to kick off the draft this year. As yes, it, it seemed like it seemed like the early draft was going to be dominated by the three big high school shortstops with Marcelo right. Meyer. Jordan Lawler and Brady House potentially going one, two, three to the Pirates, the Rangers, and the Tigers. However, the Pirates decided to throw a complete monkey wrench into everything and take catcher Henry Davis out of Louisville with the first pick, which absolutely stunned everybody because it's like, okay. It's like okay if we're t- if if we're taking a guy that was uh, projected by many to go number four to the Red Sox as uh-huh. the first pick, what uh, how the hell is the rest of this first round going to shape up? Oh, it's going to destroy. Of course. I, I mean, I don't I don't blame Pittsburgh. Uh, you take a look at, at what Henry Davis was able to was able to do in college. He was right. easily the best. Uh, the best power hitting catcher hitting 15 homers uh, this year for for uh, the universe for for Louisville. Uh, right. I I don't know if he's necessarily the best game caller because there are quite a few uh, quite a few uh, game calling catchers in uh, in college baseball this past year that uh, I'm surprised one in particular Casey Opitz. Uh, didn't get called. Didn't get uh, drafted until way later on in the draft uh, this year. Because I would consider him to be probably uh, n- not just one of the best uh, game callers of the draft, but also ha- he probably has one of the best arms for a catcher in this year's draft. But right, Henry Davis. Henry Davis, uh, he went number one overall, mainly because of his power bat, which is something that Pittsburgh has been missing dearly out of, uh, out of a again. lot of their players. 
I mean, they haven't had a real power bat, honestly, in quite some time. Uh, hell, the only yeah, since the only name that's on the re- team, probably. Well, no, I was going to say Jason Bay back uh, back in the All Jason right. Bay uh, days before he ended up becoming a member of the Red Sox. Uh, Jason yeah. Bay, if, if I recall, was one of their last big power hitters. Now, I would I would include Andrew right. McCutcheon, but McCutcheon Ooh. was more oh, known yeah. for McCutcheon was more known for contact as opposed to power. So, I right don't really think you could you could include him in the uh, in the power discussion. But. Okay. Obviously, obviously they needed Whoops. a power bat, and Henry Davis definitely provides Ooh. them that. Uh, now, uh, the Texas Rangers they drafted Jack Leiter with the number two pick. Yeah. There were a lot of mock drafts boy. that had him falling. Yeah, Al's boy, exactly. Uh, a lot of a lot of mock drafts had him falling number four to the Red Sox. A lot of mock drafts, honestly, they had it either going Henry Davis or Jack Leiter for the Red Sox. For the Red Sox. Right. But uh, Baseball America, very late in the process, had the Rangers taking Jack Leiter, and that's what ended up happening. I mean, it makes sense. They do need they do need a, uh, a future ace pitcher, which is pretty much what Jack Leiter is, uh, is looking to, uh, to develop into. They said, if anything, he could potentially reach the majors as early as next year. So he, I mean, he's that far ahead of everybody else. Uh, Just like the Detroit fighters. Tigers. Yeah, who knows? Maybe he'll have. Maybe he'll he'll have close to the same career as his father did. Maybe. Okay, now, now the, the uh, fire. Yeah, the Detroit Tigers. They took uh, Jackson Joby. Uh, Right, a right-handed right-handed pitcher. He he was known for for uh, for being one of the one of the top pitchers of this class as well. But I am kind of shocked that uh, granted he he's actually coming out of high school, uh, but I'm kind of yeah. shocked that Kumar Rocker fell as far as he did to the Mets at number yeah. ten. Hmm. Because I guess yeah, you know, I the, guess apparently. Yeah. Go ahead. Because despite the fact the Mets are in first place, they do need help with their pitching. They do. Their star players uh, are out. And, a, and my my understanding is there was something wrong with his physical. I guess. I mean, it's not going to prevent yeah. him from signing, but uh, apparently something happened with his physical. I wonder if it was a pre-existing injury or something. Uh, Probably. I do know he was. I do know he was injured part of the year this year. Uh, but, you know, there's uh, – I, I was kind of surprised that he fell all the way to 10 uh, down down to the Mets as yeah. – I mean, t- just take a, taking a look at the uh, the Royals and the Angels who passed on him with uh, pick number seven and pick number nine. Uh, instead, they opted to go with Frank Mazzucato and uh, Sam Bachman. I kind of thought that Rocker. I knew that Rocker would kind of slip, but I don't. I didn't think he would slip as far as he did. Mm. And the Red Sox at number four, they took Marcelo Meyer 
who a lot of people believe to be the best player in this draft class, as he was ranked number one overall on many mock drafts. Now, what's weird about this, though, is they already have a, they already have a stacked shortstop system. They got Xander yes. Bogarts, who signed for six years, and they have Jeter Downs, who they acquired in the Mookie Betts deal. So they're going to use Marcelo Meyer down the road as trade bait. Something's going to have to happen to where he's probably going to going to either switch or maybe they'll maybe they'll have Jeter Downs. Uh, switch position, but it sort of seems like the road is pretty packed to the point where he's not really going to have, you know, a logical uh, road to the, uh, to the majors. Right. But he is considered, he is considered by many to be the, uh, the best uh, player in this draft class. Yes. Now the Yankees, I, I know the Yankees Uh-oh. were, uh, were interested in rocker. Uh, the Yankees at number 20, they ended up taking uh, Trey Sweeney. Yes. Out of, uh, out of Eastern Illinois university, a, uh, a shortstop. And, Sweeney is coming off of a terrific redshirt sophomore year, which he was named a first-team All-American by Baseball America, uh, as well as perfect game in ABCA, becoming the first player in Eastern Illinois wow. history to earn, to earn first-team All-American honors at the NCAA Division I level. And a perfect game, too. Well, no, it's uh, it's. I guess perfect game is one of those uh, one of those baseball pundit sites like Baseball America. Oh. Um, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, no, that's what it that's what it sounds like. It sounds like perfect game is one of those uh, like like Bleacher Report or something. Ah. Honestly, the only I don't, the only, I, I, don't uh, I don't trust Bleacher Reports. No, but the only you know yeah. the only actual site that I recognize out of out of those three is Baseball America. So, oh yes, of course. Uh, but he he was also named the Ohio Valley Conference Player of the Year this past season as well uh, for Eastern Illinois University. So it seems like the Yankees have uh, they may have something here with the, with this uh, shortstop. Not only is he a a contact hitter, but he is also a power hitter. And he's making improvements in his defense. So it it seems like, uh, I'm not going to say they're going to have the next Derek Jeter, but uh, it's possible that one Jeter might have something here. Well, obviously. But I think the it's possible, based off of what's being talked about uh, with this kid, uh, Sweeney, they may have something here with him. From what it looks like. And looking at just, just going down, going down the list here, obviously we had the Pirates, they took Davis, the Rangers took Leiter, Tigers took Jackson Joby, uh, the Red Sox took Marcelo Meyer, the Orioles, they went with Colton Cowser. 
which was a little shocking to some people. Uh, I, honestly, I guess, I guess some pe- some people thought that they would uh, that they would go with Brady House, uh, one of the shortstops. Uh, instead, Brady House ended up going eleventh to the Washington Nationals. Uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks they took Jordan Lawler. Uh, one of the other high school shortstops with the sixth pick. Uh, Mazzucato, like I said, went to the Royals at seven. Benny Montgomery went to the Rockies at eight. Bachman to the Angels at nine. Kumar Rocker to the Mets at ten. And I mean, there, there, there was a whole bunch of top-level talent. Hell, even one of the other shortstops, Khalil Watson, fell all the way to number 16 when he was considered to be at least a top four pick. So, you know, it, it kind of makes you wonder, Lou, what must be in, you know, what, what must come out that ends up seeing these guys, seeing these players drop so far. Yeah. I figured out my Myself, Rocker, I think was expected to be at that uh, level, though at number ten. I didn't see him uh, going higher. I'm going to say relation that picture from the Braves were John Rocker. Ooh. Oh boy, that was that was a battle. <laughs> that was one of the Braves' better p- players. But of course, uh, you know, every time we expect, you know, what we think is going to happen, somebody always throws a monkey wrench in, and that's what happened. Yeah, it's possible. Now, later uh, I expected at number one, at number two, or, or somewhere close to that. So that wasn't surprising me at all. No, yeah, it, I, I honestly I did not see if he fell. I did not see him falling past the Red Sox at four. No, no. no. Uh, I said, as a matter of fact, they said that uh, the Red Sox were making the Red Sox and Lighters camp. Uh, we're making behind-the-scenes moves uh, on the week, the week heading into draft week, uh, to try and steer him towards the Red Sox at number four. But obviously, you know the the Rangers apparently they they were contacted, I guess, to potentially uh, uh, to potentially go elsewhere with their pick. However, they never strayed. Uh, Jack Leiter was their guy all the way from the very beginning. So. And it, it makes sense because they haven't had an ace, uh, a real legitimate ace pitcher in quite some time. So it kind of makes sense in all honesty. Uh, so not only did we have the draft, but also coming up this week, we will have, uh, actually it'll be, it'll be a week from today. Next, next Saturday, is the Major League Baseball trade deadline. Yeah. Or actually, no, it's Friday. It's Friday, not Saturday. It's Friday. Friday at 4. Close enough. Um, it's weird because usually it's on the 31st, but instead they're doing it on the 30th this year, uh, where yeah. there are there are dozens of players that are on the, uh, that are on the trade market, uh, and Major League Baseball has actually compiled a whole bunch of them on MLB.com and has given their predictions. And if you're a Yankee fan, it's I am. 
good news it's good news for the it's good news for the Yankees on at least two fronts. Uh right now they have the Yankees acquiring Anthony Rizzo from the Chicago Cubs. Chicago, yes. And and they also have the Yankees acquiring hang on a second. Where is I had seen a second name that they were attached to. They have Oh, maybe maybe it was just Anthony Rizzo. That's weird. I thought I thought I, I thought I saw them I thought I saw them linked to two different uh to two different teams uh or two different players. But regardless, you know, it's it's obvious the Yankees need if they feel that they can get back into this season, uh they need to do something mm-hmm. with with what they're uh going with. And Hang on real quick, not to jinx anybody, but we have two no-hitters currently ongoing. Why? First in Houston. Yep, two of them. First in Houston uh, with the Houston Astros, three to nothing. We have a no-hit bid currently going by Bryant. Oh, actually, no, it would be a combined no-hitter, so it's not really considered a no-hitter. It would be a combined no-hitter because Framber Valdez went went through six no-hit innings. Uh, So, yeah, that's – I mean, I guess you can maybe count it as a no-hitter, but – not a no hitter by a one single singular pitcher. However, what was his pitch count? One, uh, let me double check. I think it was high up there, though. That's what uh, I thought. Let's, yeah, let's see. Valdez, he was at ninety nine pitches. Yeah. Uh, if you're 99 mm-hmm. pitches uh, after six innings, he was he was done. Borderline. However, there is a second no hitter currently underway in the top of the ninth inning. The uh, the L.A. Angels, led by Patrick Sandoval, who currently has a hundred pitches tonight. The Angels lead 2 nothing over the Minnesota Twins, and Patrick Sandoval is one inning away from throwing a no-hitter with one walk and 12 strikeouts on the night for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. So I'm turning to that game right now. So we will keep track of that, but it, lo- it, it looks like from all indications he may, he may end up coming out, uh, coming back out to the mound for the ninth inning. Which I believe I have the game they will be right need, now. They only need, I think, what two two more no hitters to break the record for uh, yeah. for no hitters in a single season. Wow. But I, I forget what the record is. I for, yeah, I forget what the record is. It was set a couple of years ago, though. I think. Oh. I think it was like nine. I think it was nine, eight or nine no hitters uh, by Major League Baseball teams in a single season. I might be wrong though. 
Well, we do have uh, some deadline predictions. Uh, first, starting off with Trevor Story of the Colorado Rockies. He's been one of the mo- one of the more obvious trade deadline candidates uh, ever since Nolan Arenado got shipped over to St. Louis. Uh, it, it's basically become a question of not if, but when will Trevor Story be shipped off by the Rockies, who are clearly uh-huh. in a rebuilding phase at this point. Well, according to MLB.com, they're predicting that the Oakland Athletics will acquire Trevor Story. And it would kind of, it would kind of make sense considering where Oakland is in their uh in their division currently in a dead heat if i recall correctly uh for for their uh divisional uh yeah they're currently uh, the Astros have gained a little bit of ground on them three and a half games behind the Astros for the Athletics but still it's you know, it's uh, still a tight race over there in the AL West. So, Trevor Story would probably be a big uh, a big upgrade for for the Oakland Athletics. Uh, the Yankees they have also been they have also been uh, linked to him as well as they could always move Glaber Torres back to second base and put yes, uh, Trevor Story in at shortstop. But there's obviously a question of what would have to be given up in order to in order to acquire uh Trevor Story considering he is probably one of the one of the biggest prizes if you would of this year's trade deadline. Correct. Yeah, I think so. I don't know that it. That is something to uh, to keep an eye on. If you're a Yankee fan, they they are linked to Trevor Story, and it is a possibility. Uh, but MajorLeagueBaseball.com they seem to see uh, the Oakland Athletics as the favorites to land Trevor Story at the deadline this year. Where do you think the future is in Oakland, though? You know that's a good question because even even when Oakland has been has been successful, they haven't really gotten the fan. If I recall correctly, they yeah. haven't really gotten the fan support compared to other big to, compared to other big teams like the Red Sox and the Yankees and the Cubs or you know arenas that normally normally get a lot of fans. But Oakland, for some reason, they've they've been struggling with attendance. I don't know why, considering they're a fifty six and forty three team. You know, but, the thing is that Oakland doesn't really support a lot of its teams to begin with. I mean, you know, the Raiders left, uh, the Warriors went up uh, across the bay to San Francisco. Uh, now, now this team, so Oakland really doesn't support its teams at all. To be honest with you, yeah, it's weird and. It's it's almost sort of like Oakland may become what Los Angeles ended up becoming, where you know they ended up losing the Rams, uh, and you know they ended up going without without they ended up going without football for quite some time in Los Angeles, uh, 
than yeah. once once fan outcry started uh started forming you know they the the push eventually ended up happening to bring football back to Los Angeles so i think it's possible <clears throat> that you could you could see and also another another thing has to do uh with the the change in the economy you know that yes May, maybe because of the change in the economy, people may not be able to afford to go to games like they used to. So right, that's that's another thing to take into account as well, especially in a uh, in a big area like Oakland, for example. Mm-hmm. So maybe perhaps that could be that could be a reason for the poor attendance, but I. It's it's been kind of fifty fifty though with the athletics because yeah. I think aren't they aren't they trying to lobby for a new for a new uh, arena a new stadium yeah, yeah and so far there's been and so far there's been there's been no uh, no movement from my understanding no. uh, when it no. comes to the league when it comes to the league. Uh, approving of their of their request so i don't know you know it's i i still think oakland is probably going to be up in the air uh when it comes to whether or not they're going to stay or if they're going to if they're going to end up uh, relocating because that's another problem yes you may potent you may potentially have the tampa bay rays relocating as well so yeah. you'll basically have you'll basically have two teams fighting over where to go because you know Montreal is probably going to be a suitor uh, to try and maybe bring back the Montreal Expos. Uh, there's there, I heard that uh, that Vegas apparently they're trying to get a baseball team in Vegas. Maybe yeah, that's the, where maybe the be going. Yeah, maybe the Athletics may follow suit of the Raiders. So I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, you know, it, it remains to be seen what is going to happen with the Athletics. I I don't think so. If there's if there is going to be a move, I don't think it'll be uh, for a while, because obviously, mm-hmm. you know, these things these things do take time. Yes, they do. But it's been, you know, there's been a lot of talk about it, so. Yeah. Uh, now, for some of the uh, for some of the other players uh, that have been linked to the trade deadline, uh, MLB.com is predicting that John Gray of the Rockies will stay as a member of the Colorado Rockies, uh, in particular because he does want to stay, apparently, with the organization. So, uh, that is that is one one big reason why Colorado may probably keep him. Uh, Javier Baez is expected to stay with the Chicago Cubs. Chris Bryant, though, is rumor. Uh, they're predicting that he will move. He will uh, go to the San Francisco Giants, as uh-huh. if they didn't have enough. As if they didn't have enough power in their uh, lineup to begin with, they're going to yeah. add somebody like Chris Bryant. 
who, by the way, can play multiple positions, not just third base, but also all three, uh, all three positions of the outfield. Yes. Talk about, talk about, uh, about utility for, uh, for the Giants. That's probably, that's probably the one guy that they're going to want to pick up or try to pick up uh, with the, with these deadline moves. Now, as far as uh, as far as pitchers go, they're saying that uh, the Mets are going to be pretty aggressive at the deadline this year. Uh, MLB.com has them acquiring Zach Davies as well as Andrew you know. Chafin. And as far as Craig Kimbrell goes, uh, they have Craig Kimbrell going to the LA Dodgers. And man, if if the Dodgers pitching staff wasn't menacing enough, imagine adding the old Craig Kimbrell. I'm talking Craig Kimbrell back when he was a member of the San Diego Padres, where he was pitching below one ERA. This is the Craig Kimbrell that's pitching this year. So anybody that gets Kimbrell, Expect expect your bullpen to basically shoot right up to the top. I hate to break uh, this start... to you, but the no hitter is now gone. Oh no! Oh, yep. who broke it? Palank? Who who ended up breaking it? Uh oh, Brent! Oh my God! Yeah, Brent. Brent Rooker, who's batting 108 on the season. What? Batting 108 on the season with one homer. You get up to a, he was to one a loser. For, yeah. It, 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 a nobody broke up the no-hitter. Choke. According to... Uh, according to MLB game day here. And, it, and the pitch was right down the middle. I'm looking. I'm yeah. looking at the uh, at the uh, strike zone that they have on here, and it was literally first pitch right down the middle. Ugh. And it looks like they they have taken out Sandoval. I think. Yeah, with good reason. Of all the of all the ones well, you gave up, you had to give it to somebody who's batting only 108, and you gave up to him. Well, he finishes the night with 106 pitches, 67 of them for strikes. Uh, oh no, he is pitching the Max Kepler actually. So no, he's still in there. Yeah, might as well finish it. You know who else? You know who else had a pretty good night, uh, a pretty good day today was uh, Nate Eovaldi of the Red Sox. Even though he didn't factor into the decision, Uh, Eovaldi he was he went through seven and two thirds innings before. Uh, Adam Adovino, he did give up one run initially before Adam Adovino decided to come in and completely blow the game to shit. And uh, luckily, uh, Eovaldi was not on the hook for the loss. The loss instead went to Adovino. Uh, But Eovaldi was pretty much dominating the Yankees for most of the game today until that final, the final batter he ended up facing 
Uh, actually, the the last couple of batters, I should say, he ended up facing where he ended up uh, he ended up giving up a run, and eventually that second batter did end up crossing the plate uh, when Ottavino decided to give up the rest of the game. So. But that was that was a pretty spectacular. Uh, it does it does yeah. look like maybe Patrick Sandoval. It, now wait a minute. It says here that he that they're giving they're doing another mound visit, but yet it doesn't look like they've switched. Uh, it doesn't look like they've switched pitchers. So maybe perhaps he might finish out the game here. Why not? Nope, they did pitch. Nope, they did switch it out. Uh, uh, their closer, their closer, Rizel Iglesias, is coming out for the final uh, for the final out yeah, against uh, Josh Donaldson. So uh, that is the line officially for Patrick Sandoval today: eight and two thirds innings, one hit given up, uh, one walk, thirteen strikeouts for the LA Angels. And Rizal Iglesias is going to come on and hopefully finish things off for the Angels here. Now, Starling Marte of the uh, Marlins, there there was talks that maybe he would sign a contract extension. Apparently that is not happening as uh, talks have broken off between him and the Marlins. Uh, they are predicting that he will be acquired by the Houston Astros, from what it says here. Uh, as well, Jesus Aguilar of the Marlins, they're predicting that he will go to the Brewers. Uh, CJ Cron of the Rockies, prediction is that they're going to go, they're going to send him to the Padres. This next one, though, is very intriguing to me because they have the Red Sox acquiring uh, former Red Sox killer Jonathan Scope of the Detroit Tigers, who he used to play for the Baltimore Orioles, uh, a power-hitting first base, first baseman who can also play second base, and that's probably the the one thing that they've been missing this season is that Bobby Dalbeck at first base is very inconsistent. So Jonathan bringing in somebody like Jonathan scope would definitely uh, provide an upgrade at first base for the, for the Red Sox here. And it looks like there is trouble in that angels game. Uh, a double by Josh Donaldson has now has now made this a one run game. So now the official line for Sandoval. Sandoval does get charged with that run uh, that was at second. So eight and two thirds innings, one hit, which ended up being uh, the run, one walk and 13 strikeouts for an ERA uh, of 3.52. Adam Frazier of the Pittsburgh Pirates, they have him going to the White Sox. And as far as the Minnesota Twins, uh, the Minnesota Twins are projected to be major sellers this year. However, the only player right now that they have leaving the Twins is uh, Andrelton Simmons, their shortstop, who they're predicting is going to go to the Cincinnati Reds. 
But also on the market are Byron Buxton, Josh Donaldson, Jose Barrios, and Taylor Rogers. And the Rangers, the only Ranger that is looks like he's going to be on the move is Ian Kennedy, who they're predicting will go to the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, uh, Charlie Charlie Morton of the Braves, they have him going to the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, Eduardo Escobar of the Diamondbacks, they have him going to the Brewers. And this is this is kind of interesting because they have Max Scherzer as one of the potential options for uh, the mm. trade market this year. They have him staying with the Nationals at age 36, which is kind of surprising. Even though he is still pitching, uh, even though he is still pitching good, the Nationals are five games under 500, and you would think that they would want to trade. Uh, they would want to trade some players, but. Not according to this prediction, uh, this prediction sheet here. Now, while we did have the MLB draft take place uh, last week, this week, uh, actually the last two days, we have had the NHL draft. Yes. But the NHL draft wasn't really the story. What was the story was all of, I'm sure you heard about the gigantic flurry of trades that took place yesterday, Lou, around the world. Figured, why not? Why don't we just start with probably the biggest crack smoking one of them all, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks acquiring Seth Jones from the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh-huh. Uh, the full trade. The full trade goes as follows: the Blackhawks they get Seth Jones along with the 32nd overall pick uh, in this year's draft, which already happened, obviously, uh, as well as a sixth round pick next year. Uh, the Blue Jackets they get Adam Bachvis. Uh, first and second round picks for this year's draft, which I think the first round pick was like the ninth overall or or 11th overall, something like that. Uh, And a first and a first round pick next year. And that if that pick next year is a top two pick, then it becomes a 2023 first round pick instead. And this isn't even this isn't even the you know the 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 most puzzling thing about this deal. The most puzzling thing is Chicago then signed Seth Jones to a monster extension of eight years, seventy six million dollars for a guy for for a defenseman who had five goals and twenty three assists this year. Now I understand numbers are meant to be lower for defensemen, but I looked at yes. some of the uh, I looked at some of the analytics that came along with this trade, and he was basically ranked around the same area as Rasmus Ristolainen, formerly of the Buffalo Sabers. Now, 
maybe they're hoping that maybe Seth Jones go, goes back to being the, the elite defenseman he once was. But I'm not yes. sure I would have given him an eight-year, $76 million deal with this. Uh, no. I mean, maybe we would see what would have, what would have happened if he had played a full season, a full 82-game season, instead of uh, it being shortened to 56 games. But you know, that's actually kind of interesting. I should see I should see what he was on pace to what he was on pace uh, to do for the for the full season. But regardless, it's it's just not. It's it's not contract that I would give somebody like him. He's going to be making close to ten million dollars per year, and he's not even considered to be one of the best defensemen in the league. So what, what do you do think it. about this deal, Lou? What what do you think about this deal, Lou? I think he's worth that kind of money. I think it was a waste. So I was like, what what you got yourself into? And plus, technically, the Blackhawks are actually giving up on a young uh, on a young yeah. uh, player like Adam Bockvist, who and what have the Blackhawks done in recent years? Nothing. Yeah, I mean they haven't really done anything except from except for that uh, that that scandal in 2010 that has just been uncovered. <laughs> Uh, that we had talked about previously on the show here. Uh, and more yes. attention is being brought to that, actually, uh, in recent weeks. But ever since then, the Blackhawks haven't really done anything. I would think that may- maybe perhaps this is their way of trying to go on one more potential cup run, but it's going to be hard to do that when you don't have Corey Crawford and they, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, br- uh, I mean, bringing in Seth Jones, that's basically their Duncan Keith replacement because Duncan Keith is no longer a member of the Blackhawks. So, okay, that's your Duncan Keith replacement, but you're going to need more pieces if you think you're going to contend for the cup this year, especially considering that this year the uh, the divisions and the conferences are all going to go back to the old way that it was before COVID. Now speaking of, we're going to get we're going to get to the uh, other trades in a minute. But speaking of controversies, yes, there was one prospect who had requested that no team pick him. Due to yeah. sex charges, due to sex charges that he had faced in Sweden, as well as a subsequent fine uh, that he had uh, that he had faced, due to I think it was he he had some sort of uh, some sort of sexual encounter with a woman over there, uh, and he ended up taking pictures uh, of her without her consent and sending them yeah. to different teammates i guess or something I, I i forget the exact uh the exact thing but it was some somewhere around those lines uh now he had he had sent out a statement re- requesting that no team that that every team pass on him 
and allow him to re-enter the draft next year. Instead, Montreal decided with the 31st pick of, of the uh, NHL draft in the first round to take Logan Mayu uh, despite all of the despite all of these uh, all, all these charges that he has. And they immediately released a statement, which honestly it looked like a prepared statement. They immediately released a statement after a whole bunch of outcry by not just fans of the NHL, but their own fans in Montreal. Uh, They released a statement by saying, by drafting prospect Logan Mayu with a 31st overall pick, the Montreal Canadiens organization not only selected a promising hockey player, but also a young man who recently admitted to making a serious mistake. The Canadiens are aware of the situation and by no means minimize the severity of Logan's actions. Logan understands the impact of his actions. His recent public statement is a genuine acknowledgement of his poor behavior and the first step on his personal journey. We are making a commitment to, a, to accompany Logan on his journey by providing him with the tools to mature and the necessary support to guide him in his development. We are also committed to raising awareness among our players about the repercussions of their actions on the lives of others. And ever since they made this pick, they have been basically getting raked over the coals of the hotbed of, uh, of hell, essentially, for making this pick. And honestly, rightfully so, because this is already bad press for them right off the get-go. So I, I, want, I want to get your thoughts on this, Lou, because, you know, you, you had a player, you had a prospect that already told teams not to draft him mm-hmm. and allow him to Well, allow I think I can understand to, that. I mean, because his reputation is now shot to hell anyway. So why make yeah. it even worse? Okay, yeah, I'm good exactly. for the full duration of the night. Of the night. Perfect. That's great. That's great to hear. Yeah, I got the night off from my from the other show. <laughs> oh, okay. Now yeah, Logan so Mayu, uh, Logan Mayu, he did play for, or he was going to play for the London Knights. Uh, he played over in Sweden last year, this past year, due to COVID. Uh, appeared in 19 games. Done again over there in Sweden. Uh, I think it's like a 20-game season or something. Uh, he had seven goals and eight assists for 15 points. But when he was previously in uh, in the GOJHL, which is I guess slightly below the Canadian Hockey League, uh, he had 18 goals and 50 assists back in 2019-2020 when he was 17 years old. So he is he is a skilled young prospect, but, you know, who just happened to uh, make a, uh, a very piss-poor decision uh, to do what he did. However, this is considering the fact that the NHL is one of those many one of those many sports uh, leagues that all that always talks about fighting, you know, sexual assault, domestic violence, and stuff like that. 
it's a really bad look to have one of your teams draft somebody immediately after they requested that that every team pass on them this year. So what what are your thoughts, Lou, on on uh, Logan, on the Canadians deciding to to draft Logan Mayu even with all of this uh, even with all of the backlash that they're receiving? Yeah, that does present a problem. I mean, I don't blame him for not wanting to, uh, for him to be taken because you know with all the press that's gonna you know uh, surround by him, you know you know it's such you know for a young person to handle like that, and I don't think he wants to be you know. Like that, but on the other hand, you know he made a mistake, and you know the Montreal is looking to overlook it, and they didn't want to take him. So you have to look at you know uh, that way as well. I mean, you know, but I think in his own right, I think he made the right decision because who needs that kind of bad publicity anyway? You know, he's just saving. I think he's just trying to save his own neck. Yeah, but you know, at the at the same time, he. It sounded like he would want to enter next year's draft to mm-hmm. in order to show people that because he knew that 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 uh, situation would probably arise, you know, that it would it would probably come out if he had not made a statement about it previously. Um, oh yeah, he knew that he knew that eventually it would come out. So honestly, I give him credit for trying to for trying to uh to have nobody pick him this year so that he could he could mature with another year and maybe potentially show show uh these teams that you know he can be a mature as as he becomes an adult that he can he can be a mature adult and not not have to not do uh Things like like uh, like he ended up doing over in Sweden. But I understand why the Canadians did pick him. He is a talented player, but yes, you know they. I mean they have they have been under fire from from their fans and fans alike all around all around the NHL ever Absolutely. since making that uh ever since making that selection. So yeah, it is it, it it's it's not a good look for the Canadians organization. But I, honestly, no. obviously they 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 must not give a shit apparently. No, they don't. Now, one other player that was selected, uh Luke Hughes the brother of Jack Hughes is now joining his brother on the New Jersey Devils. The I think it was the fourth overall pick in this year's draft. Uh, he currently has a commitment to the University of Michigan, so I don't know if he will if he will skip his commitment and instead go uh, potentially straight to the NHL, or mm-hmm. if he will. If if the uh, or if the Devils will will skip on signing him because I believe I believe NHL teams do have three years I think to sign their prospects uh, after their draft year. So maybe or maybe not Luke Hughes may may or may not uh, sign with the Devils immediately. 
Yeah, his old his uh, his little brother Jack Jack Hughes' little brother Luke Hughes. Well, you know Jack hasn't really been you know exactly what the Devils were hoping to be. So uh, I don't know if uh, Luke is going to make any difference. I mean, Jack yeah. with all the rage coming in, you know, and he was great in the in the preseason, but then when his first regular season started, he just dropped off like that. In the second year, well, which was, of course, interrupted. But he hasn't really been, you know, the dominant star the Devils have been looking for. So, yeah. uh, I don't know if, this, if uh, signing Will Burr is a bad omen. Although he did, although he did put up, uh, he did put up a better season this year compared to his first year with the Devils. Uh, this mm. year, he did improve. He did improve in both goals and assists. He uh, had 11 goals and 20 assists for 31 points, and he was a minus three compared to being a minus 26 in his first year with the Devils. Uh, his shot yeah, percentage was IQ, also right? went up. Huh? You're not talking about his IQ, right? That was a, that was a joke. That I'm was sorry. a joke. Well, technically, his hockey IQ, you could say, mm. because oh. plus and plus and minus. You know, when you're talking plus and minus, you could almost talk about hockey IQ. Yeah. But he he did know. improve, I mean, uh, despite yeah. playing despite playing in five less games this year, uh, because mm. the NHL they had it as 56 games. Correct. Uh, they, yeah, they. Uh, he did make an improvement, so maybe perhaps year three will be kinder to him, and maybe you'll start to see Jack Hughes turn into the player that the Devils thought that they would be getting. Uh, well, but the thing is, though, that he did better, but the rest of the team just sucked. So, you know, I like to see a more balance there, where they where they both don't suck because you know, one person is not going to make that team, you know better. The whole team has to contribute, and unfortunately, the Devils have not done that since they uh, went to the finals in 2012 and lost to the Kings. So, you know, they haven't really done anything in the uh, nine years since they've been in the playoffs. Okay, they did make the playoffs uh, for one year, but they got ousted in the first round. So basically, over the last yeah. nine years, they haven't done crapola. Yeah, it, it, it is very surprising. That despite all of the uh, despite all the players that they've despite all the players they've had uh, within the last couple of years that they haven't been able to uh, to put together a winning product, uh, but you know maybe maybe that's more on management as opposed to the players themselves mm. because because the players they may have all the talent in the world like you take a look at you take a look at Taylor Hall you know Taylor Hall once he left New Jersey uh. he ended up going to. Air- he ended up going to Arizona, and I mean, he did he did okay in Arizona, but then once he went to Buffalo, he absolutely sucked. Then he goes to Boston, so Buffalo, and all of a sudden, and all of a sudden, it seems like his career has been rejuvenated uh, with him joining Boston. Yeah, they so, on Buffalo. <laughs> So it's entirely possible that it may be more on the management of the Devils as opposed to the actual players themselves. Possible. I just don't see how that, all, you know, management can be a problem. You have so much good talent, and, yeah, it goes to waste, you know, when you have a, when you have a team like that. You know, it, it, it's just – I just find it very baffling. Yeah. Well, you know, certain players don't really gel well together, so – 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. you got to you got to mix and match them basically. Uh, right. But Luke 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 Hughes, who they have acquired, uh, he is a defenseman, and this year, this past year, he split time between the uh, U.S. National Under 18 team, uh, hmm. as well as the uh, as well as the junior team for uh, the U.S. Uh, national team. Uh, for the under-18 team, he had six goals and 28 assists for 34 points in 38 games, and he was a plus 11. Uh, for the juniors team, he had four goals and 11 assists for 15 points in 18 games, uh, and he was a plus five. So it is definitely top, top, uh, you know, top draft pick talent that he has going number four overall. So it kind of, it, it makes sense, especially with, uh, with him now joining his brother, you know, maybe perhaps if he, if he's joining his brother, uh, maybe this might provide more of a jolt to Jack Hughes to where, I mean, they were used to playing alongside each other. So now maybe perhaps, uh, this will provide a jolt to Jack Hughes and, uh, he can, he can perhaps take that next step. Now, yeah, the devil's can use a little help they can get. Yeah, exactly. The Devils at, at this point they need they need pretty much all the help uh that they can that they can get when it comes to uh when it comes to talent. Uh now there was for the Islanders there was one very underrated pick that I was very surprised uh fell as far as he did and that was Atu Rati who oh, yeah. if I recall correctly if I recall correctly, I believe he fell to the third round, I think. Let me check real quick here. Uh, I believe – hang on. Aturati. Uh, he fell – yeah, no, he fell to the second round. He he was a first round talent, but for some reason he fell all the way to number fifty two uh, for yeah. the New York Islanders. And honestly, this is a poten- this is a potential sleeper pick of this of this whole entire draft, as he was the third ranked skater out of all of the European players uh, that are in this draft this year. Mm-hmm. So it's. I mean, just taking a look at where some some people had him ranked, uh, the lowest ranking that he was ranked was 15th overall. Mm-hmm. He was ranked as high as third by NHL Central Scouting. Scouting. So for some reason he fell. I don't know why this year, uh, but for some re- for some reason he fell. Um, okay. They claimed that he would be a guaranteed top 20 pick, but I guess, you know, there must have been – it says here he has the tools to be a top-line center in the NHL, but at least he will – at the very least, he will be a very good second-line center. And he has recently been playing for Carpot of the uh, of the Liga League, where – I mean, technically, these these numbers don't really 
don't really burst out here, but in 35 games played, he had three goals and three assists. I mean, you know, like I said, you know, not really bursting out numbers here, but uh, there's a reason why he was, you know, he, he was looked at as a potential top 20 pick. So obviously it's more than numbers when you're looking at a player like him. Uh, yeah. But, but we'll see you know uh it could be it could be a potential if if he develops correctly uh it looks like Lou Lamorello may may have a potential steal in this draft here uh there were a whole bunch of trades that went down obviously yesterday uh one of them in particular the Philadelphia Flyers, and by the way, this one got bashed by pretty much every single Flyer fan uh, that that is on uh-huh. that is on uh, Twitter. Uh, Philadelphia acquired Rasmus Ristolainen from the Buffalo Sabers in exchange for a first round pick in this year's draft, a second round pick in 2023, and young defenseman yeah. Robert Hag. Uh, Rist- Ristolainen has one more season left on his six-year, $32 million contract, and then he is eligible for unrestricted free agency at the end of next year. Uh, He had four goals and 18 points this year with the Sabres. Um, The biggest problem with his game is he has difficulties in his own end. I see. So if you're a team that's looking to upgrade on defense, this is not the guy you're going to want to go for. And the Flyers gave up a first-round pick and a second and a future second-round pick, as well as one of their young defensemen, in order to acquire him. And you look at you look at Robert Hag's uh, numbers. He he has one more season left. Uh, worth about, I think it's like a $1.6 million cap hit that he has. Uh, two goals, five points this year for the Philadelphia Flyers in 34 games. I mean, granted, the numbers are low, but he probably doesn't make nearly the same amount of mistakes as Ristolainen has done uh, while he was a member of the Sabres. But who knows? Like we mentioned earlier, you know, maybe a change of scenery will uh, will help out with uh, with certain players in these in these deals. And this one in particular, uh, this next one, the Flyers they did kind of redeem themselves a little bit as they acquired Cam Atkinson from the Columbus Blue Jackets in exchange for Jacob Voracek, and it's straight up no salary retained by either side. Uh, they're picking up a guy in Atkinson who once scored 41 goals in a single season for the uh, Blue Jackets. Last year, though, he had 15 goals and 19 assists in 56 games. Uh, But back in 2018-2019, he had 41 goals and 28 assists in 80 games. Uh, And considering... Atkinson had Artemi Panarin to play off of during that season, and he hasn't had a forward of that caliber, though, 
to play along with since. However, this year he will be playing alongside Claude Giroux on, on the first line. So I think it's entirely possible we may see a big comeback come out of Cam Atkinson this year for the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh-huh. So what do you think, what do you think Lou? The, the Flyers, they make a very questionable decision by overpaying to get Rasmus Ristolainen. But then they get a guy, uh, a guy in Cam Atkinson who once scored 41 goals a couple years ago. So do you think that maybe perhaps the Flyers sort of, ma- sort of made up for, uh, for their, uh, their first blunder of a trade that they made? Maybe they did, and they've been blundering uh, for quite a few seasons now. <laughs> Good. It's another one. It's another one, of course, of the uh, team that the Rangers can't stand. So, you know, I have to have to yeah. go with that. You know how I feel. And about also, that. oh yeah, exactly. You know, the the Rangers are. <laughs> I don't know what the hell is going on with Chris Drury, but oh my God! You know what that reminds me. Let me see if I have it listed here because uh, the Rangers they acquired. Uh, Barclay Goodrow from the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I don't know if Drury was smoking crack or what, but this has to be one of the most asinine contract extensions I've seen ever get handed out. And this is different because Goodrow is a fourth-line player. You know, it's not like he's a top-level talent. He's Fourth line player. Uh, Hang on. So, yeah, he was acquired for a seventh round pick in next year's draft by uh, from the Tampa Bay Lightning. They signed him to a six year extension worth three point six million dollars per year. And he scored six goals and 14 assists on the fourth line for the Tampa Bay Lightning this past year. I'm sorry, but no. Who the hell is going to sign a fourth liner to a six-year deal? You must be joking. To me, Lou, this makes absolutely no sense whatsoever from the Rangers' perspective. When you smoke that weed, that's what happens. It's not like he's a young player. He's an unrestricted – he would have been an unrestricted free agent this year. So it's not like he's a young player. I mean, yeah, it's not like he's in his 30s. He's still in his 20s. But, you know, he's he's past the time of unrestricted free – he's 28 years old. So he's he's no longer a restricted free agent. You're for hockey. No, but he, you know, uh, restricted free agency ends at 26. So, you know, oh, he, yeah, yeah. He, he, so he technically wasn't a restricted free agent anymore. He's been an unrestricted free agent for a couple of years, and I'm sorry, but you know, I'm not giving a career fourth liner a six-year contract. It's just not happening unless, unless it's less than what he's making on this deal, which is $3.6 million. 
for a guy that's putting up 20 points a season. I'm sorry. I'm not paying that. I'm not paying that type of contract to a player who, no. I mean, maybe maybe you could potentially see him on the third line, but honestly, I I don't really see him as being a third li- a third line uh, ta- talent. Uh, no. Oh, but actually, you know what? Since we're on the Rangers, uh, they were another. They were another. Uh, another questionable decision that made you say, what the hell are you guys doing? Uh, They sent off Pavel Buchnevich to the St. Louis Blues in exchange for Sammy Blaze, who, by the way, is either, who, by the way, is either a fourth liner or a depth player for the Blues. Uh, So they get Sammy Blaze, and a second-round pick in next year's draft for Pavel Buchnevich, who, A, is a restricted free agent with arbitration rights, and, B, he scored 20 goals and 48 points last year for the Rangers and is considered to be a top-six forward. They just got worse with this deal. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, okay, you got a second-round pick for next year's draft. That's fine. But Sammy Blaze, he literally just got career highs in goals and points this year with eight goals and 15 points. He's a fourth-line player. I mean, if the Rangers were looking to improve their fourth line, fine, by all means. You got Goodrow and you got Sammy Blaze. You're set for life now or, yeah, or at least the next couple of years. But – I mean, Blaze, in 119 career games in the NHL, Blaze has only 35 points. And you just traded a top six forward for this guy and a second-round pick in next year's draft. I'm sorry, but in my opinion, I would think that that, that – uh, you know, the price should have been a lot higher. Yes. For somebody like Bushnevich. Yes. I mean what what are your what are your thoughts on that, Lou? Yeah. I mean, there are moves that make sense and there are moves that are just ridiculous and that is one that does not just does not compute well. <laughs> it boggles my mind. I mean, maybe it has something sure. to do with sure. with the South Maybe it has something to do with the salary cap or something. You know, maybe uh, New York felt that they that they wouldn't be able to re-sign uh, Buchnevich to the contract that he's looking for, and they probably would have had to trade right, him anyways. Right. But I just don't understand it. I do not. I do not get the return. I mean, there is one other return actually that is more questionable. Uh, with the Buffalo Sabres, they acquired goaltender Devin Levi and a first-round pick in next year's draft from the Florida Panthers in exchange for young stud Sam Reinhart. Yeah, the Panthers just got a whole lot better with this deal. Uh, Even though Levi was a standout in the World Juniors, uh, posting a .75 goals against the average and a 96.4 save percentage with Team Canada, 
he's still a seventh round draft pick in the NHL draft last year. Yeah. So basically the Buffalo Sabres, the Buffalo Sabres acquired a first round pick and a seventh round pick in exchange for one of their best players in Sam Reinhart. As Reinhart yeah. had 25 goals and 40 points for the Sabres this past year. So, you know, yeah. it's just, I don't know. I don't know if it's, if, if it's the fact that teams are, are sort of feeling pressure with free agency coming up to try and Maybe. To, to try and either come to an agreement with these players or try yeah, to do whatever they can get. Yeah. I I just don't I just don't know, you know what, I mean yeah yeah maybe maybe if this Levi, uh, if this Levi kid can translate his success from the World Juniors into uh, into his professional career, then yeah maybe Buffalo might have their goaltender of the future here, but I mean you you have a you have a kid in Sam Reinhart who's improving year after year. I would have thought you would get a you would get at least a little bit more out of this yes. deal. I hear I hear that Frank Vetrano apparently was supposed to be part of the deal but apparently got taken out at the last second, I guess. Uh so the deal does stand as Devin Levi and a first round pick next year in exchange for Sam Reinhart. And plus, you have to you have to also talk about ja- the possibility that the Sabers may not even have Jack Eichel next year. Yeah, I think it's kind of no anyway. Because ja- Jack Eichel is apparently on the trade on the trade block. I think it's time for uh, Eichel to go. Oh, I think it's I think it's a foregone conclusion that the uh, that. Uh, the experiment that they've done with Eichel in Buffalo just isn't working out. So no. it's only a ma- it's only a matter of time before he gets shipped off somewhere. Now the question is where will he get shipped off to? Obviously, we don't know at this point. Uh, there are story. many teams. There are many teams that are uh, linked to him. The Seattle Kraken, believe it or not, who just had their expansion draft. The uh, they are linked. They are linked to him. Um, the Vegas Golden Knights are linked to him. There's, possible, there's quite a possible. few teams. There's quite a few teams that are linked to him. Uh, obviously, the big thing is you're going to have to take on his. You're going to have to take on his massive contract to begin with. So, yes, you know there's there's definitely a lot of things. Uh, a lot of things to take into account when you're talking about a potential Jack Eichel acquisition. Yes. But speaking of the Seattle Kraken, did you watch the expansion draft at all? Uh, No, I didn't watch the expansion draft, but I did see, um, I did manage to catch a little bit of the draft. Now, it's a little weird because the, we saw the expansion draft, how it went down uh, when they had, or, you know, when, when they had the Vegas Golden Knights. And the Vegas Golden Knights, you saw them make selections. Uh, you saw them select quite a few big names. 
you know, quite a few big names and real impact players. I mean, Marc-Andre Fleury, to name one of them, uh, Jonathan Audi Marchessault, who was really starting to uh, come into his own, uh, Riley Smith. You know, there there were quite a few big names uh, that and promising names that Vegas had selected for their for their expansion team. However, you know, I take a look at this Seattle team and I'm just kind of shaking my head, like, what the hell are you guys thinking? Yeah. I mean, first off, I'd say probably the biggest name that I'm seeing on this list. Well, actually, no, there are there aren't a few big names, but you know, a lot of these players, it really seemed like they went more along the lines of a prospect draft as opposed to, you know, people that are going to actually actively contribute right away. Yes. I mean, some of, some of the notable names here, uh, they did take Jordan Eberle of the New York Islanders. Uh, so that that weakens the Islanders a little bit by taking away one of their uh, one of their best scores. So I understand that pick. I understand the pick of Vitek Vanacek from the Washington Capitals as clearly his stock rose big time uh, after after uh, their main goaltender Ilya Samsonov got injured this year. And Vanacek basically carried the team for pretty much most of the most of the season. Vince Dunn, I kind of understand for St. Louis because he was on the outs when it comes to their uh, when it comes to their defensive uh, their defensive core. Mark Giordano of the Calgary Flames, you know, he he was basically. Giordano ha- has basically been a loyal uh, a loyal player for the most part. To I believe he's only been I can double check yeah. here, but I believe he's only been a Calgary Flame for pretty much his entire career. Yes, and now he's a member of the uh actually he was the captain of the Calgary Flames after uh after Jerome McGinley left and now he's a member of the uh of the Seattle Kraken and for all we know he he may become the captain for the Kraken uh now uh yeah so the, you know they did have a little bit of a little bit of a veteran leadership with some of their picks. They did get Adam Larson, who was uh, the assistant, one of the assistant captains for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, Jeremy Lozon of the Boston Bruins. I'm so pissed off that they didn't go with Jacob Zaboral, and instead they went with Jeremy mm-hmm. Lozon. All right. That's a big loss. That's a big loss for uh, Boston's defensive core. Uh, they also took Yanni Gord of the Tampa Bay Lightning, probably one of their best, one of their uh, biggest scorers of this past year. So that's a huge acquisition uh, for the Seattle Kraken. Uh, But, you know, a lot of these players, they're more like third line players, maybe depth players, the rest of the picks that is. They're more third line or depth players players you know that it's 
you would almost think that maybe perhaps you could potentially find them on uh, on the free agent market. I mean, it's it's just weird with how they've uh, with how they've put together their team. Uh, their goaltending tandem. Yes. Uh, they will have they will have Vitek Vanacek, and they will have Chris Dreger of the. Uh, of the Florida Panthers as their goaltending tandem. So, I mean, that's honestly, that's not a bad goaltending tandem for them. I think Vanacek will probably do well. Uh, he may have to stand on his head a couple of games, but that's what he did actually uh-huh. this year for, for Washington. So right. um, I think Seattle, they're going to be in the Western conference, right? Pacific division. Yes. But as a result yeah. next year, the things coyotes, are moving to the Central Division, which makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Yeah, that that doesn't really make any sense at all, because they've no, always been no, in no. the Pacific, haven't they? Yeah, which makes sense. Of course, if you want to be geographically screwed up, be my guest. Yeah, you know, I, sometimes, I, I don't understand some of these... Uh, some of the things that they've uh it's Detroit all over again the, for many the years in the Western making. Conference. And I'm like, Detroit is in the West where are they West up? Yeah. Obviously whoever design who aligned these leagues actually flunked uh, US geography. Yeah, I oh, would think so. You know what? This you know what? This just came up. Uh I can't believe I forgot yeah, yeah. about this. Um what do you think? We're we're gonna we're gonna jump over to uh over to football a little bit over to college football. Yeah. What do you mm. think of what do you think of Texas and Oklahoma jumping over to the SEC? I don't know. I and think leaving... they're going better over the Big Twelve. I think you know it's better rivalries. I think they're looking. I think they're looking for a lot of trouble going to the SEC, going against those teams. You know, it's like when Rutgers, you know, moved to the Big Ten. Are we going to see another one? Are we going to see another of that where it's going to be just like, you know, a, a shit fest every week? I think they should be better off where they are. Where they are. Some things just better left untouched. Well, one of the biggest things anyway. well is, well, one of the biggest things, though, to keep in mind is that the SEC is much more different than the Big 12. SEC probably one of the tough is probably one of the toughest conferences to be a part of. So yeah, Texas that's why that's why I don't think I want to see them go. You know, Texas and Oklahoma they may have had success in the Big Twelve, but once you get to the SEC, it's a completely different ball game. Having to face Alabama, ha- having to face teams like Alabama, LSU, Georgia. You know, uh, Ole Miss. There's and, and yeah. Texas A and M. Uh, you know, there's there's a whole different level of competition over in the SEC. And I don't know. This could be a potential big mistake that they're making here. Um, and actually, it's yeah. said here that the Big Twelve, the Big Twelve, is considering increasing revenue shares for both. Texas and Oklahoma in order to prevent them from leaving for the SEC. Yeah, don't be a, don't be an idiot. 
it wouldn't make any sense for you to uh, join the other join the other conference. And it says here that obviously each uh, each school gets their gets their share of the revenue payouts uh, every year. They're planning on bumping on trying to bump the revenue share to about fifty six million dollars for both Texas and Oklahoma, which will mean that the other the other eight schools would have their shares decreased in order to cover the cost. Now, Big Twelve mm-hmm. schools they currently make. They currently make around $37 million per year thanks to the conference's media rights agreement, which includes bowl games and the NCAA tournament. But now you're looking at a, you're looking at a potential $19 million increase just to keep Oklahoma and Texas in the Big 12. And... It says here that SEC schools, they currently make around $44 million per year from their media rights agreement. However, that mm-hmm. number could increase to, the number could increase to over $60 million if Texas and Oklahoma join their conference. Hey. Well, I still I, think it would be, be a big mistake. Oh yeah, no, it's definitely a big mistake, uh, I believe, for for Texas and Oklahoma if they decide to leave the Big Twelve, because they're gonna find they're gonna find out that having to face SEC teams two times a year, you're probably whatever success you were having over in the Big Twelve, you're probably not gonna replicate that in the SEC. Uh, no, and it ruins the rivalry anyway. Yeah, but, you know, it's just, it's sort of like, like, take Clemson, for example. Like, if you were going to have Clemson move out of their conference and join the SEC, you wouldn't be seeing, you wouldn't be seeing Clemson versus Alabama in, uh, in the uh, national title game. No. You know, it's just. Sometimes you gotta. I mean, maybe maybe this is a way of maybe perhaps allowing other schools to shine in the Big Twelve. But you just got you got to make a smart decision here. And yeah, honestly, exactly. This is this is probably one of the stupidest decisions that they that they could make if they decide to uh, if they decide to leave the Big Twelve. If I commit suicide, know. you know, you know, maybe, maybe, perhaps this, maybe this goes through, maybe it falls apart. But, uh, you know, yeah. right now it looks it's like it looks like uh, it looks like they're dead set basically on on bringing uh, on on switching conferences. Yeah. Yeah. I assume they're leaving because of they they think they can get more money, correct? Yeah, they would get uh, of in course. the SEC. They would get in the SEC. They would get sixty million dollars every year due to the uh, revenue share. Every year, yeah, due to the revenue share. And despite the fact they'll get their ass kicked, okay. Yeah, so they they would technically be making more money 
uh, compared to what they're making right now. So, but your quality of play will be awful. Yeah, exactly. The quality of play, you know, the uh, no, it's not worth it. Not worth it. It, it would be an increase of twenty three million dollars, but you would be get you would be more than likely getting your asses kicked, and you would I mean yes. you would have to perform at a you would have to perform at a top level every single game against SEC level talent. I mean, when you think about it, there is a reason why SEC schools have the most draftees. Yes, I think I figured that out. So, well, you asked me because like the same thing with Rutgers. They moved to the Big Ten, and what have they done since they moved to the Big Ten? Hardly anything at all. Like I said, exactly. big mistake, and this is just a repeat of this. Stupid is, stupid exactly. does. So, yeah, and apparently it says here that this deal has been discussed for more than six months, apparently, behind the scenes. And it's only just or coming on. out now. As Alvin said, more money is not going to make your team better. Just ask Rutgers. But, I mean, they have know, more money. Uh, and what is, then what have they done? Nothing. Nope. But, yeah, for some reason, Bill Belichick still selects players out of Rutgers. I don't know why. But, yeah, hey, yeah. He, knows more than I, he knows more than I do. Uh, but, you know, together. Going, going to these, uh, going back to the Seattle Kraken players, you know, I'm taking a look at some of these players, and they selected a guy from Buffalo who only played in 10 games this year. Uh, they selected, well, one of the players they selected from uh, from Detroit, he's appeared in 104 games uh, since, he was drafted 20th overall in 2016. So, okay, that's maybe uh, – he has been shuffling back and forth, though, between the NHL and AHL, though. So he is more of a prospect, if anything. Yeah, you see, this is, this is what's weird about the Seattle Kraken is that they drafted more prospects as opposed to actual impact players with this expansion draft. And this was, this was done by, uh, this was drafted, uh, the person running the Seattle Kraken is Ron Francis, who uh, originally was in charge of the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, and he ended up taking uh, Morgan Geeky, uh, a center from the Hurricanes, who he originally drafted in the 2017 uh, entry draft in the third round. Um. So I, you know, I got. I just got to say, from from some of these, some of these picks that I'm looking at. I mean, one of these guys only only has played 28 career NHL games. Uh, 27 years old. It's like I I understand some of these picks, but some of the other ones, like what what the hell are we doing here? Yeah. You know, it's like. These guys have had limited playing time, and maybe maybe it's a case of you know okay may, maybe we can uh, we can uncover something that that uh, 
all of their former teams uh, never saw in them. But I'm I'm kind of wondering if maybe perhaps they're trying to recreate what Vegas did. It's possible. With their picks. But honestly, I just don't see it. I just don't see it with this yeah. group. I mean, a lot of these players, the exception of a few, a lot of these players look more like depth players as opposed to actual impact players. Like, I'm not looking at Seattle right now and saying, oh, this is going right. to be, uh, you know, this is going to be a contender for the Stanley Cup. I'm not looking at this team <laughs> like I did, like I did Vegas. Right. I think it's going to take quite a while for Seattle to. Uh... Yeah, I was saying I was saying the same thing on my show. Of course, uh, did my group agree with me? No, of course not. They think, oh, you never know. No, I, I honestly, because remember, when Vegas came in, they brought in a lot of veteran players who have been on Stanley Cup teams and they knew how to win. Here, I don't see it with the Kraken. Yeah, no, you're not. You're not even. You're not you're not even really seeing that much out, I didn't of, think so. uh, out of the Kraken's uh, picks. And considering, hang on, let me see. Hopefully, hopefully they've updated the. Uh, hopefully they've they've updated the. Uh, what's it called? Um, the divisions. Right. So. Well, no, they still have the old. They, they still have the old divisions up, but I would assume that if they're going to be in the Pacific Division, I mean, you're looking at you're looking at teams like San Jose, uh, L.A., Vegas. Vegas is going to be in there. Uh, yeah. Okay. This was the last. This was the last Pacific Division before they ended up. Uh, before they ended up realigning, you had Vegas, you had Edmonton, Vancouver, mm-hmm. Calgary, Arizona, Anaheim, L.A., and San Jose. Right. I'm sorry, but this team is not getting past Vegas. This team isn't getting past Edmonton. No. So maybe. Maybe they'll get past Calgary. They're not going to get past Vancouver, especially with Vancouver acquiring uh, Oliver Ekman Larson and Connor Garland yesterday. Yeah, no uh, shot in hell. No shot in hell is this team uh, yeah. getting past uh, Vancouver. Um, you know, maybe they can get past Calgary with uh, with them losing well, yeah. Mark Giordano. And Arizona, I mean Arizona, they're going to be a rebuilding team this year, so it's not they're not going to have to worry about. Well, you said Arizona is moving back to the Central Division, though, right? Next year, next year. Oh, okay, next year. All right. So, still, I don't think it makes a lot of sense for the middle of Central. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. Then that means the Pacific Division will have nine teams this year. Yeah, but I think they want. I don't think they want to overload on the division. So I get the reason why they do it, but still, I mean, it, it, it's just it's just heresy. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird when you when you take a look at the 
when you take a look at how the division looks right now, assuming yes. that they go back to assuming they go back to the way it was before uh before the division realignment due to covid um yes i'm finding it hard to see a successful seattle season with this division lineup right now yeah i think they're going to get absolutely hammered this year i mean they already had the second pick this year in the draft it's very possible they you may see a repeat uh with them getting another top draft pick next year as well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really we'll don't see. see the same success as they did as you know they did with Vegas. I just don't I just don't see it here. A lot of people think I was uh, nuts for saying that, but I, I don't see it. I mean not everybody's gonna be a success story with the Golden Knights. Yeah, no, Vegas was a completely different story because Vegas uh teams you know, when the expansion draft first started, teams weren't really sure how things were going to go. So they weren't sure, you know, who they should protect, who they should expose right. to the to – the, uh, like, like, for example, uh, back then, Montreal, they didn't expose Carey Price like they did this year to the expansion right. draft. Now, luckily, they took a chance, and Carey Price, he ended up having surgery. So uh, he's not going to be ready for the start of next season. Um, but they took a chance that hopefully uh, Seattle wouldn't choose him, which they didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I'm just I, – I don't really – I don't really see Seattle – uh, being able to replicate what Vegas did in their first year, it's. I mean, you would you would have to see some sort of upside in some of these players that they've gotten, and looking at some of these players who are basically third line or fourth liners, or maybe depth players on other teams. Most of them, I should say, uh, most of them are third line or fourth line depth players. On, on the teams that they were drafted from. Uh, I mean, if you put them now on a potential first or second line team, I, I just don't I don't see them putting up much more production compared to what they did on their on their previous teams. Who knows though? You know, maybe maybe they'll surprise us. Uh, Maybe they'll surprise us this upcoming season, but I well, doubt. Well, yeah, I heard that too, but I don't see it. I, uh, I would, I would be very surprised. Uh, yeah. Now, one thing that really surprised me was the Detroit Red Wings. Complete. Now, here's the thing: the Hurricanes they had a rookie goaltender named Alex Nedeljkovic who put up such a stellar season this year where he fin- he finished third in voting for the Calder Trophy for Rookie of the Year. Yes. And it looked like like it, it looked like Carolina had finally found their goaltender of the future. You know, that he was going to be he was going to be somebody that was going to he would be their first franchise goalie, quite frankly, since they had Cam Ward. However, 
apparently he asked for I think it was like anywhere from from uh three to five million dollars per year in free agency coming up and they were only willing to offer him one point five million dollars for a goaltender who put up a record of fifteen five and three in the regular season this year. And you're gonna lowball him with that offer? I'm sorry, but it's no wonder. Uh they then decided to trade him to the Detroit Red Wings. This is an absolute steal by uh, Steve Eiserman with the Red Wings because the Hurricanes, they acquired, they acquired the rights to unrestricted free agent goalie Jonathan Bernier and a third-round pick this year in exchange for Nedeljkovich, who – not only had that record with a 93.2 save percentage and a 1.9 goals against average this year, but he also played in the playoffs this year with, I think it was a three and two record in, in net. So he has playoff experience in his first, in his very first year in the league after playing a couple of years in the AHL. And you mean to tell me that, a difference of one and a half million dollars, you wouldn't pay him one and a half million more per year compared to what you were originally mm. offering him. I'm sorry, but this is probably no. the biggest blunder that Carolina, just when you thought Carolina was making, was taking steps forward. They now take a couple of steps back with this move because I'm sorry, but Jonathan Bernier, he's nowhere near the goaltender he once was. Yeah. He just isn't. I mean, Bernier, you know, he used to be a top. He used to be a top goalie for the L.A. Kings and also for the uh, for the Toronto uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs at one point. And I don't know. It seems like ever since he's gotten older, he 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 has just completely regressed even though he's he's 32 years old which technically i mean it it's he he should be in his prime right now and right now he yes is, you know he he, uh, he he's just in limbo right now and he joins a team that now has Peter Morazic and James Reimer as their current goaltenders who are unrestricted free agents. Uh, Bernier, he's also an unrestricted free agent. So Carolina, technically, they have no goaltenders right now. They have nobody who's actually signed. But uh, Nedeljkovic, uh, he did sign a two-year, $6 million deal with the uh, Detroit Red Wings. So... Uh, he is officially under contract, and Detroit doubled down uh, in the draft here, and they took probably the top goaltender prospect, Sebastian Costa, uh, out of Edmonton, with their with the 15th overall pick in the fir- in the first round this year. So, Detroit's starting to make moves. Uh, with uh, we saw what Eiserman did to uh, to transform Tampa Bay into the juggernaut that they are right now. 
wait until he gets done with with uh, with Detroit. Right, what what are your thoughts, Lou? You know, if you have a rookie goaltender like Nedeljkovic who put up a stellar season for his first year. Granted, he was a backup goaltender, uh, but he put up a stellar season for his very first season. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you be willing to give him the money that he wants, especially if you're looking at a potential goaltender of the future? I say he'd be worth it. Yes. But now, instead, now instead, they have uh, they have more questions now because they don't know who their starter is going to be. When yeah, it probably could have been Adolkovich if they had just signed him. I don't know. There's been needless to say, maybe it's draft fever or something this year, but there has been a lot of questionable decisions that have been made around the draft this year. Uh, some yeah. other uh, some other free agent news. Kale McCarr, he did $4 million contract extension with the Colorado Avalanche. Now, compared to the Seth Jones, compared to the Seth Jones contract, this one actually makes sense. 20 goals, all right. Uh, he had he he had 44 points in 44 games last year for the Avalanche, and he has 94 points in 101 career NHL games. And he was also voted to his first All Star team this year. This actually makes sense. Yes. To give nine to give nine million dollars per year to a player of Makar's caliber. Seth Jones, on the other hand, he isn't the player that he once was. So that contract with the with the Blackhawks is more confusing compared to this one. Uh, also, Taylor Hall, he has officially signed a four-year deal to remain with the Boston Bruins, uh, an average annual value of $6 million. So it's four years, 24 mil, uh, the full contract. Um, apparently he decided, uh, he, he said in, in his, uh, interview with the media, uh, after it was announced that he decided, he decided to stay with the Boston Bruins after five or six games of playing with them. He said that perhaps there's more stability in Boston compared to any of the other teams he's played with in his career. Right. And... And he did sort he did sort of get his game back as with Boston, he had eight goals and fourteen points in sixteen games with the Bruins after he was acquired from Buffalo. Uh, he also had three goals and five points in eleven games during the Stanley Cup playoffs. Now, assuming that Boston can re-sign David Krejci to a new deal. Uh, as that's really what not just rejuvenated Taylor Hall's career, but it also rejuvenated David Krejci uh, as Krejci was on a bit of a downhill slope ever since uh, he had been partnered up with, uh, with Jake DeBrusque on the second line. He had really been in more of a, of a land of limbo, if you want to call it like where, he wasn't getting sure. the points. 
he he wasn't getting the points that that you normally see out of him uh, in a regular season with actual liners that he can actually work with. Now with Taylor Hall, that's a completely different story. As all of a sudden that that second line seemed to start working immediately as Taylor Hall joined the team. So uh, so far it has worked out for the Boston Bruins and. With them now locking in Taylor Hall and locking in uh, Brandon Carlo to his six-year deal, uh, it looks like things are moving along. And apparently, yeah. uh, the Bruins, they have been linked still to a couple of players this, uh, this offseason. Uh, they have been linked to Ryan Suter, who just got bought out by the Minnesota Wild. And considering they are looking to upgrade their left-handed defenseman, it would kind of make sense for them to go after a player like Suter, even though he is 36 years old. Uh, he can still put up quality minutes. And, I mean, I think as we saw with, uh, with, with uh, Zdeno Chara this year, the Bruins made the wrong decision to, uh, to let go of Zdeno Chara and yet he put up quality minutes this year with the Washington Capitals. So maybe perhaps they have learned their lesson. Uh, apparently they're also connected to Christian Dvorak of the uh, Arizona Coyotes. As apparently they had conversations with the Coyotes uh, around potentially acquiring Dvorak. Uh, they've also had conversations with the Vancouver Canucks of potentially trading for goaltender Braden Holtby with the status of Tuka Rask up in the air. Uh, so there's, there's quite a few things that are, uh, that are starting to bubble uh, in the NHL right now. So it's, I think it's going to be, a, considering how, how trade season has already started this off season. I think it's going to be a pretty wild free agency period. And speak, you know, uh, I mentioned earlier that uh, the Vancouver Canucks acquired Connor Garland and Oliver Ekman Larson from the Coyotes. And this is what, this is what uh, boggles me is the fact that the Coyotes actually agreed to pay at least $1.2 million per year of each of Oliver Ekman Larson's remaining years on his deal, which is like, I think he has six seasons left, six seasons left. And he, he carries a cap hit of eight point eight and a quarter million. So they're paying, 12% 12% of that contract, which will be about 1.2 mil per year. So basically, Vancouver is on the hook for 7 mil per year, essentially, uh, for Oliver Ekman Larson's deal. And they get a quality player in Connor Garland. Uh, the Coyotes, in return, they receive Antoine Roussel, uh, Jay Beagle, Louis Erickson. Uh, the ninth overall pick of of uh, this mm-hmm. this past weekend's draft, uh, a second round selection next year, and a seventh round pick in 2023. Uh, so overall, I think this is a this is a pretty solid deal for the uh, Vancouver yeah. Canucks. I am kind of shocked though 
that uh, considering some of the uh, some of the players that they sent over, they sent over. Honestly, I, I I honestly think that Louis Erickson was more of a salary dump considering he has a six million dollar cap hit. Uh, Antoine yeah. Roussel, you know, Antoine Roussel didn't really put up much as did Jay Beagle. It's it's really weird. It's like they traded a whole bunch of fourth liners in exchange for Connor Garland, who was probably the best player uh, on the Coyotes last year. And they also acquired Oliver Ekman Larson, which, I mean, quite frankly, he's been basically a gigantic black hole for the, uh, for the Coyotes ever since they signed him to that massive deal. So uh, this seems like it was more of a way for the Coyotes to basically get out of that contract. So what, what are your thoughts, Lou? On uh, on this mega deal that went down yesterday. Uh, yeah, just another mega, mega deal. Yeah, well, we'll just we'll see what happens in the end of it. You know, every time you get a mega deal, you think it's gonna go right, but you know, there's something that always screws it up. Yeah. You expect better. That's. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you know. Uh... Oliver Ekman Larson, keep in mind, he used to be one of the top defensive prospects uh, coming out of uh, the year he was drafted. You know, he, he was seen as the next big guy, uh, the next big defensive player to, uh, to right. be an elite defenseman in the NHL. And for some reason, his career, like, after the first couple of years, he has just really declined. I just don't, I don't understand what has gone on with his, with his career to the point of where he is basically turned into a gigantic black hole that everybody wants to stay far away from. Yeah. Arizona wasn't done though, as they also acquired Shane Gostas the hair from the, Philadelphia Flyers, uh, in a, uh, as well as a 2022 second-round pick and a 2022 seventh-round pick, uh, with nothing going back to the Flyers except for salary cap relief. So this was basically – the Flyers basically gave away players – gave away Gostas Behar for free, essentially. And I don't think we ever really see this in sports leagues. You know, usually, wouldn't you think, Lou, that there would be somebody going back in return or or maybe at least like a draft pick or something? And instead, yes, the Coyotes or the Flyers basically gave the Coyotes a second-round pick and a seventh-round pick in order for Arizona to agree to take this, uh, this cap hit off of their hands. You, you at least to get, you know, something good out of it. I mean, it's just it's just really weird because you never really see that, you know, uh, yeah. when it when it comes to uh, when it comes to uh, to moves being made, you normally don't see something like that happen. 
Uh, one of the other moves that went down, uh, Columbus, they acquired Jake Bean from the Carolina Hurricanes in exchange for the number 44 pick in the draft yesterday. Uh, that pick was was originally acquired from Chicago in the Seth Jones trade, uh, so they basically flipped, they basically flipped it immediately uh, in order to acquire Jake Bean from the Hurricanes. So Columbus, you know, I got to tell you, with with the moves that Yarmo Kekalainen made for the Blue Jackets yesterday, I think it's possible that Yarmo may be looking at another GM of the Year award coming up here. Uh, it's it's entirely possible because he he went on a police job yesterday, essentially, with some of these moves. Uh, moving over to the NBA, though, uh, we had the NBA Finals where mm-hmm. the Phoenix Suns, they had a two-game advantage. They choked. It's 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 like that uh it's like that line by uh by uh by Michael Corleone. Just when I th- just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. With uh the Milwaukee Bucks winning the next four straight on top, on the back of Giannis Antetokounmpo who put up 50 points in game 6. To yeah. win not just his first NBA final, but also NBA Finals MVP, MVP. for Giannis yeah. Antetokounmpo. I mean, I think is it is it safe ah. to say that Giannis is it, is it safe to say that Giannis has officially turned himself into a superstar with yes. this uh, with with this performance does, in the NBA but I Finals? Don't think so I mean, you just won one title so far. I mean, I don't know if you're a superstar yet, so we'll have to wait and see. But I'm just reading something here uh, from a group page, and it's being told by, by somebody here saying, I'm being told that Jack Eschel to New York Rangers is now imminent. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Wait, Jack Eichel to the Rangers? Yes. Yes, I'm reading of, of a post right now. It's not official. This is coming wow. from, from, from a post uh, from a group page. I don't know how accurate it is, but this looks. Well, this could be big. Oh boy! Oh boy! You heard here first. Wow! Folks. If if, if uh, let me let me tell let me tell you something. Yeah. If this ends up going down. <sighs> I mean, for, obviously the Rangers have always Stanley been in Cup? the conversation. Well, no, I don't know if I'd say Stanley Cup right away, but yeah. I mean it's a very it's a very good start if you're pairing Panarin up with with somebody, uh, assuming they don't give up somebody like Panarin in this deal. Right. Uh, if you can pair up Panarin with Eichel, and also keep. Capo uh, Caco, that's a pretty intimidating first line. Yes. And assuming that Eichel is finally is finally able to 
piece things together and, you know, actually be able to gel with his line mates. Uh, I think we may, you, you may potentially, uh, maybe not, maybe not a Stanley cup right away, but I think things, I think things will be looking good for the, uh, for the Rangers. Uh, maybe perhaps the okay. rebuild process, maybe perhaps the rebuild process won't be as big uh, or won't be as long as people may think. Right. And actually, uh, you know, not just uh, not just Jack Eichel, but you would also you would also have Mika Zibanejad potentially still on the team as well. Zibanejad. So, you know, there's still there is still a whole a whole bunch of talent on that uh, on that New York Rangers roster and. You know, like I assuming that you see the jump from uh, Alexander Georgiev as well as Igor Shesterkin this year, you could potentially have a pretty good one-two goaltender tandem as well. Plus, you saw Adam Fox last. You saw Adam Fox last year uh, start to develop into an all-star defenseman. Um. You got Libor Hadjik. Uh, you got Libor Hadjik coming up from uh, coming up from the Hartford Wolf Pack, and Ryan Lindgren. You know he's starting to uh, he's starting to really develop. You know, you're, you, plus you still have Jacob Truba, who you acquired from uh, from Winnipeg. You know, there's still there is still a lot of potential with the talent that you have on the, on the uh, New York Rangers roster that you could potentially uh, see a contender start to develop. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's still, you, it still might be a work in progress, but it won't be nearly the amount of time that you would be, that you would be waiting for, uh, for them going through a rebuilding uh, period. Right. Now one of and the dirty words that I yeah exactly that's that's one I, word I that call nobody... I call rebuild the dirty word yeah that's a, you know that's a, that's no that's no phrase that anybody wants to that anybody wants to hear anybody that's a that's a fan of any yes. team regardless um yes. now I did read that the Rangers they did agree to a buyout with Anthony D'Angelo. Uh, so right. he is now a free agent, I believe. That's probably one. I just I don't understand what the what the hell has happened with D'Angelo ever since. Uh, I guess oh, he's right. been involved in some. He's been involved in some controversy, I guess. Yeah, I forget what the controversy was for. Points, uh, just a season ago with the Rangers. You know, he was he was one of their best defensemen, and now all of a sudden, he finds himself on the free agent market. So, it, it sort of it sort of seems like you know he's one of those he's one of those players that um, you know is letting their letting their off the ice uh, controversy you know, start to affect their play on the, uh, on the ice. 
But anyways, uh, you know, back, back to the uh, to the NBA Finals. You know, when it comes to Giannis Antetokounmpo, you know, I the one thing that I that I had said apart from them having a coach who who apparently doesn't know how to how to make certain adjustments to the to the game plan. I did say I do remember saying the big X factor potentially for the Milwaukee Bucks was going to be the acquisition of Drew Holiday, which technically, you know, you could say that Drew Holiday really transformed that team from a contender into a legitimate threat. So, you know, obviously we saw what what ended up happening. Milwaukee they got past uh, they got past Miami. Miami, I don't know, I don't know what the hell happened with them this year, but uh, they got past Miami. They got they they snuck past Brooklyn. I I still think that if Kyrie wasn't injured, you know, maybe perhaps Brooklyn would have beat Milwaukee in seven games. But uh, well, if actually if Harden, if we thought that was a three, which it should have been. That would have been the difference right there, but no, they had to call it a two. Dumbass. That's true. That's true. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. One I wish play. I would like to forget. Um, then they get pa- they get past Atlanta, and everybody was thinking that it was probably going to be Phoenix that was going to end up winning, but yeah. somehow Milwaukee Milwaukee was able was able to uh, to rebound from losing the first two games. And winning the next four straight, so I did not see that coming. I really did not. No, neither did I, especially with uh, with Giannis being injured. But uh, that's the thing. And Milton really... wasn't so healthy either. No, he wasn't. They they had some really clutch performances, not not just by Giannis, but also from their bench as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bobby Portis. Uh, Bobby Portis put up 16 points in Game Six from the from the bench. If anyone does that well in Chicago, yeah. And plus, he he put he he put up all series long. Actually, you know, both him and Pat Connaughton, they put up some pretty big points off of that off of that Milwaukee bench that honestly probably helped with the turnaround of the series. So. You know, it's it's no wonder that Milwaukee was able to win the series uh, uh, with four straight wins after after uh, Game Two. Yeah, I will say though that there was one point in the in the series I forget which game it was if it was Game Four or Game Five that uh, at the NBA really looked like they were trying to get. Phoenix, uh, that they were trying to help Phoenix out because some of the calls I that think were getting four. called against Milwaukee, I think it was four, yeah. That some of the calls that they were getting that they were getting called against Milwaukee were just completely asinine, but Phoenix just wasn't able to capitalize for some reason. Yeah. Now we do have we do have another. Uh, this could be a potential firework starter here. 
Uh, obviously, the NBA draft is Thursday. And yes, yes. According to Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report, Wizards star Bradley Beal is considering requesting a trade prior to the draft. And one of the teams that is, that is uh, involved as a potential destination for Bradley Beal is the Boston Celtics. Uh, they have also okay. named the uh, they've also named the Philadelphia 76ers, the Golden State Warriors, uh, as prospective teams that uh, that will be involved in the uh, pursuit. They even I believe they named the New York Knicks as well as a potential option. Yes, I heard. So. There's the potential that I mean, obviously Bradley Beal. Any deal for Bradley Beal would it would involve a major return. Uh, but I mean, what do you what do you think? Do you think that potentially a team acquiring Bradley Beal could be uh, could be a difference maker for uh, certain teams that are looking to take that next step? It's possible. Yeah, but I just wish we know who. It- Who's looking for him? I mean, you know, Washington didn't really, you know, impress me all that much this year. I'm just wondering how, you know, other teams will how it will kind of get with other teams. I mean, he is a good player. Don't get me wrong, but you know, he's just yeah. out of Washington. I mean, to, to think about this. Uh, I would sort of. Imagine Bradley Beal, the impact he would have as sort of like when Kevin Durant joined the Golden State Warriors. If he were to join Golden State, Golden State, assuming that Klay Thompson will stay healthy, you could potentially have, uh, you could potentially have another, another season like the Warriors had when Durant was in town. Right. So, obviously, you know, that would be a potential option. The the 76ers, I honestly think that, uh, obviously, you know, Ben Simmons would probably be well, actually, no. Ben Simmons probably wouldn't be in the deal because they have Russell Westbrook anyway. So why the hell would they need Simmons? Um, they don't. You know, the Seventy Sixers. If you can add another, if you can add another uh, another star to Embiid, and assuming that, you know, ass- assuming that Ben Simmons can turn things around, that's a potential a potential piece that could take them to the next step and maybe perhaps they can finally reach the conference finals. Mm. But I don't know. There's, you know, there, there's definitely different yeah, options. I don't know uh, like, I, like I know Golden State, for example, they're, they're dangling the number seven and number 14 overall picks uh, in an effort yeah. to try and, to try and acquire another star. Um, you know whether or not 
that's going to work. I, I mean, not only are they dangling those two picks, they're also dangling um, James right. Wiseman, who they just drafted this year, uh, mm-hmm. in a uh, in an effort to try and land another star to join uh, Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. Right. So I would think that just based off of some of the uh some of the teams that I know are going to be involved I would think that probably Golden State would be at the forefront I would maybe put Boston as a possibility but the only way that they would the only way they would have a chance is if they included both Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart in any potential deal and I'm not sure if they would if they would include both of them right that's the only that's the only question I have about the Celtics. Uh, otherwise, I do know that Jason Tatum does want to play with Bradley Beal because they were supposed to play together on the Olympic squad this year uh, before Bradley Beal came down with COVID. So there's you know there, there's definitely. Um, there's definitely options for Beal, but it all depends on whether or not uh, he decides to ask for a trade, and it has to be before the draft. Yes, because otherwise, because otherwise, it sounds like he's going to. Uh, it's otherwise it sounds like um, that he will stay with with Washington if he doesn't. Yes. And it reminds me, the the draft is Thursday. Yep. Yep, the NBA NBA draft is Thursday. And uh, from what I Thursday, you know, everybody's been saying that Cade Cunningham would be the number one pick. Uh, Yes. Apparently, apparently he did not have a good, uh, he did not have a good showing with the, with the Detroit Pistons at all. So it has led people to wonder maybe perhaps Detroit might pass on Cunningham because apparently he did not have a good workout whatsoever. Right. With Detroit. And obviously that means he would probably fall to Houston. So I don't know. There's the possibility maybe perhaps – Although in this, you know, in this recent mock draft that uh, NBA.com has done, uh, they have Jalen Green jumping up to the number two spot. Uh, Jalen Green would be the first member of the G League to officially get drafted for a player. A player uh, instead of going to college, they instead go to the G League. Uh, that's now apparently an option, and basically, it it sounds like uh, there's the potential that maybe, perhaps, you might see a couple of uh, you know a, cu- yeah. a couple of question marks at the top of the draft this year. I mean, there's the I've heard that Jalen Suggs could potentially go number one overall out of Gonzaga. Good choice. You know, I've 
Obviously, uh, Cade Cunningham has been the more popular suggestion. Uh, yeah. But, you know, Jalen Green has been thrown around out there. Evan Mobley from UFC has been – or uh, UF, not UFC, mm. USC has been thrown around out there. You know, there's been a whole bunch of different options that have been thrown around. So, yeah. you know, it's I think it's entirely possible that we could have – you know, if if Cade really did not impress in that uh, in that uh, workout like they're claiming, we could have a we we may need to buckle in for the uh, for the NBA draft this year because it may be a bumpy ride. What were you expecting? I mean, it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a, a draft, honestly, without a uh, without bumps in the road. Of course, it's a draft for you. Now, one of the things that's kind of we plan. Yeah, but you, you know, one of the things that's kind of interesting though is uh, they have Moses Moody uh, from Arkansas, a freshman guard out of Arkansas, going to the San Antonio Spurs with the number 12 pick. And this is really, I say this because uh, he had a solid regular year, but once the NCAA tournament came in, he basically completely disappeared. Why is that? So I'm kind of, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know, but mm. he, you know, for a guy who was supposed to be a guy that that you would that would put the team on his shoulders, he didn't really show up in the NCAA tournament. And I kind of thought that 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 would affect his draft stock, but apparently he's still a lottery pick. Uh as they have him currently positioned at number 12 to the, uh, to the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, right now, from what I'm looking at, it looks like they have uh, the newest mock draft. They have the uh, Pistons taking Cade Cunningham uh, out of Oklahoma State with the number one pick. Uh, Jalen hmm. Green from the G from the G League Ignite. Uh, they have the Rockets taking him, uh, becoming the first G League player to get drafted. Uh, they have the Cavaliers taking Evan Mobley, which would make sense because they do need a uh, they do need a big man after uh, after losing a whole bunch of a whole bunch of their bigs. Um, Jalen Suggs. Going to the Raptors from uh, Gonzaga, uh, Scotty Barnes from Florida State going to the Orlando Magic. You got Jonathan Kuminga uh, from the G League Ignite going to the Oklahoma right. City Thunder. Uh, James Bonite from UConn apparently is uh, is projected to go to the Warriors. Heard, I heard. That is if that is if you follow this mock draft at it. That is if if uh, I don't believe a mock draft. To be honest with you. Yeah, it's there. There is still a whole lot of um, you know a whole lot of different things that can that can uh, that can happen. You know, it's you never really know what a team is thinking. No, no, that's what they call it a mock draft because they don't know what they're doing anyway. 
Yeah. Um, they do have they have Davy uh, Davion Mitchell from Baylor uh, going to the Orlando oh. Magic. Originally, originally the pick belonged to the Bulls before the Bulls traded it for uh, uh, for Nikola Vucevic this year at the deadline. Um, Franz Wagner uh, from Michigan is projected to go mm-hmm. to the Sacramento Kings. Uh, you got Keon Johnson from Tennessee projected to go to the Pelicans. Uh, Josh Giddy from Australia uh, for the Adelaide 36ers apparently is projected to go to the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, Moses Moody from Arkansas to the Spurs. Jalen Johnson from Duke apparently is projected to go to the Indiana Pacers. And they have Kai Jones as the, as the, as the last uh, the last lottery pick projected to go to the Warriors from, from uh, the Texas Longhorns. So still, you know, there's a lot of uh, – there's a lot of different um, mock drafts out there. I mean, hell, we saw what happened with baseball's mock draft. Oh, you know, God. just because, ju- just because there's a, uh, just because mock draft, certain mock drafts are uh, are saying that uh, one team, uh, one team is going to take a certain player. That doesn't mean it's going to happen. No. And by the way, this just in uh, in the Olympics, Team USA has officially gotten their first gold medal. Yep. As uh, in swimming, they picked up their first medals on day two. Believe it or not, for the first time in 50 years, the United States did not did not get a single medal on day one of the Olympics. It's hard to believe first time. for the first time in the first time in fifty years, according to CNN. So the first time for uh, seventy two Olympics. But they uh, they did pick up uh, the gold and silver medals in swimming uh, in the men's four hundred meter individual medley uh, for for swimming, obviously. Yes, and also. Uh, believe it or not, this is the first year that skateboarding is considered an Olympic sport. I've heard, and they have they have a couple of Americans uh, in line for potential medals uh, in this in this uh, in this year's Olympics for uh, for skateboarding. Um. But heading into today, let's see if I can find – okay, yeah, here we go. Uh, the medal count heading into today, China was basically leading the way with three gold medals and one bronze medal already. Uh, Italy had one, had one gold and one silver, as did Japan with one gold and one silver. Uh, the Republic of Korea, they had one gold medal and two bronze medals. Ecuador, Hungary – uh, Iran, Kosovo, and Thailand all had one gold medal apiece. Uh, the Russian Olympic Committee, I guess they can't go by Russia. They have to go by the Russian Olympic Committee. 
they had a silver and a bronze medal, and Serbia also had a silver and a bronze medal. Um, let's see if I can find – actually, yeah, uh, the updated count here. So the updated count – oh, yeah. Uh, the United States has, has uh, really – has really gained uh, in total medals. The United States now leads after uh, after day two here. Uh, one gold medal, two silver medals, and three bronze medals for the United States uh, for a total of six. China right behind them with five. Uh, and then Japan, Australia, and the Republic of Korea and ROC. I don't know what that stands for. ROC uh, does not say, but ROC. Uh, those four are uh, tied with uh, with three with three medals. And there's a whole bunch of other a whole bunch of other countries that I'm not going to name off. But uh, regardless. Uh, the United States has come roaring back in day two so far for uh, for Olympic medals. So I guess, I guess they wanted to give other countries a head start. Yeah, I think so too. But uh, yeah, and also also another thing too is uh, the men's Olympic team uh, for basketball. Um, I believe they have a they have a game at eight o'clock. I think eight o'clock Eastern. That is. Um, let me see. After starting, especially after starting off the way that they have, uh, you know, losing to Nigeria in the uh, in the exhibition, then losing to Australia, lo- then finally beating Argentina. Uh, the Australia game was canceled, or the second Australia game was canceled. Uh, they beat Spain just barely. So now they face off against France um, beginning tomorrow at 8 o'clock. Then on Wednesday, I think they face Iran at noon. So the quarter, I guess the quarterfinals are August 3rd. So basically we have to hope that Team USA can win all three games so that they can advance to the quarterfinals. And it looks like the gold medal game is tentatively scheduled for August 6th. Right, if I'm not mistaken. So that should be that should be interesting to keep an eye on here. Yes. Uh, when it comes to when it comes to uh, the Olympics, Ho- hopefully, you know they can get they can get back on track and you know actually uh, compete as a cohesive unit. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, um, but, but all they went through with the with the. Uh, with the scheduling this year and whatnot, it wasn't even got everybody in for training camp. I wasn't surprised by the uh, the poor start in the, in the exhibition game, so I kind of expected that. But I think now this is everybody together, 
at the new acquisitions, I think they're going to be able to be competitive in this uh, tournament that starts tomorrow against France. Yeah, hopefully, because uh, especially yeah. with them not getting Chris, especially with them not getting Chris Paul, um, there were a couple of other players. You know, they were supposed to have Bradley Beal, but he had to pull out because of COVID. Um, yes. You know, they are kind of shorthanded when it comes to uh, compared to what talent they could have had. Uh, I mean, you know, they originally had James Harden, but Harden ended up pulling out in order to focus on rehab for his injury. That's more you know, important. There's, yeah, there's the whole – It just imagine the type of team they could have had, you know, if – if they end up not being able to get, if they end up not being able to get the gold medal this year, imagine the type of team that they could have had uh, oh, if certain monster. players didn't back out. Yeah. Well, at least they, you know, they didn't back out because of their own choosing. I mean, they backed out for health. Yeah, for health reasons, or in LeBron's case, LeBron backed for his own choosing. I don't think LeBron was was more health. He's more focused on uh, on NBA titles as opposed to uh, gold medals. Because I believe doesn't he have a gold medal anyways now? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure the men's team uh, won gold medals. I think when when they had Kobe and LeBron and all the bi- all the big. Uh, all the right. big stars of the past couple of decades. So, but you know, it's uh, there's still a lot more talent that they could have potentially had if Anthony Davis, uh, LeBron James, and a couple of others didn't back out. Um, now this is a bit of a a bit of well, I shouldn't say shocking because it's not really shocking, but it is breaking news kind of. Uh, according to SportsIllustrated.com's Bill Huber, uh, he is reporting that Las Vegas Sportsbooks Aaron Rodgers to retire as uh-huh. early as next week. As multiple sportsbooks, including DraftKings, have removed Packers-based wagers on the belief that Rodgers is going to retire. Um, as training camp starts next week, and there are reasons to believe that he will not report to camp. Also, they have broken off contract talks with wide receiver Devontae Adams. And considering Rodgers rejected a two-year extension, and, you know, both of them, they, they have posted simultaneous uh, pictures of uh, Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, which it basically is signaling that you know if if uh, if Michael Jordan, this being Aaron Rodgers, the MVP of the Packers, if he's not going to be if he's not going to play, then neither will Devontae Adams or Scottie exactly. Pippen in this situation. I mean, right now it's it's honestly looking like this. This looks like it's a 
much more chaotic situation than the Brett Favre uh, debacle that they had to deal with. Yeah, we thought that was a debacle. Yeah. Now you have now you have your MVP, your franchise quarterback, and your number one weapon in Devontae uh, Devontae Adams. Potentially, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Devontae sits out the entire year. Huh. Yeah, it's possible. Because I mean, that's what that's what uh, signs are pointing to right now that. Devontae doesn't want to play if Rodgers isn't going to play. And also this week, the NFL announced that a game cannot be, that if a game cannot be rescheduled, COVID outbreak among unvaccinated players, the game will result in a forfeit for the team with the outbreak. If we got a problem, we got a problem. Yeah, I think that especially this is basically them almost forcing players' hands, like basically forcing players. Yeah. Look, you're gonna have you know players like uh, uh, like DeAndre Hopkins, who now apparently is thinking about potentially not playing this year because. Uh, he doesn't want to be forced to do something that he doesn't want to do. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, Cole Beasley, he's also spoken out about this. Uh, there's a bunch of players that have spoken out about this. And apparently the NFL is basically saying, you know what, we don't give a shit. And it says here that any forfeited games will impact playoff seeding just like a loss would. Right. And it also says that in the event of a forfeit, neither team's players will receive their weekly salary. So basically, if a, te- if a, if a team forfeits the game, the team they were facing will not get paid also that week. I mean, that sounds kind of bullshit to me when you think about it. You know, why why should my team suffer if my team wasn't the one that forfeited? You know? It just, it, 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 it almost seems to me like uh, the NFL is, I mean, they're clamping down on this, obviously, because of the rise of cases that we're starting to see uh, now all of a sudden. But it's almost like the NFL is pushing this to the point of where, obviously, you know, you're going to have players who have their own beliefs. You know, they don't believe in the vaccine. Um, And, you know, we could potentially see mass players once again decide to opt out and not play the whole season. So what what are your so thoughts on that? Well, look, I mean, no one wants to be forced down their throats to uh, do that, but, you know, I think in the long run, you know, it may be better for them to get vaccinated because, you know, yeah, the, the effects, you know, could happen. 
but that's only in the short term. And, yeah. you know, that's what they're complaining about. I mean, because, you know, yeah, you're going to feel like crap at first probably. I know I will when I get mine. But those are only short-term effects. It's not going to, you know, it's not going it's not, it's gonna to do you more good than harm if you do get the vaccine. I don't think players want to lose their paychecks, though, either. Um, if they do yeah, decide exactly. not to take it. So you have to figure that out, too. Like, hmm, let's see. Do I swallow my pride and take it, or do I just stop it? I was like, nah, I don't give a, I don't give a cat's ass. Well, yeah, maybe you, you should think about it. Think of what you're risking if you don't take it. Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously, it's, uh, every every person has a different reaction. I mean, luckily for me, all I had was just a uh, a minor headache and uh, you know some sort some sort of pain in my arm. Basically, that was pretty much it. Uh, That's a very common uh, side effect I heard. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's very. Well, yeah, you'll feel pain in your arm, right? Yeah, but what you know, what was weird is the first the first time uh, the the first shot that I had, I felt the pain almost immediately. The second shot, I didn't feel the pain until I didn't feel the pain until about six to eight hours afterwards, when I was almost like right about to go to sleep. Actually, well, no. Actually, what I do get, actually, it I'm going to play this during this podcast. Yeah. What well, I do what get, my, I just turn the sleep off. Yeah, yeah. You know that that would kind of, that would kind of make sense. You you just got to make sure that uh, when you do get it, that you move your arm around a lot uh, in order oh, to yeah. keep it uh, in order to keep it loose, so to speak. Sure. You know, because I did I, think I the did best find to, that to be a bit yeah. helpful. Yeah, but I think the best thing to do also probably is to sleep it off, especially if you're going to feel like hell. So, you know, you sleep yeah, it off. Yeah, that's true. You know, you, you know, I, I plan to whenever I get it because I, I might get it tomorrow. I don't know yet, but if I do, all I can say is, well, if I sleep it off, maybe I'll feel a lot better. Yeah, the one thing I, the one thing I should tell you, Lou, um, when I, I would notice, at least for the first couple of days afterwards, uh, when I wake up, you're gonna feel a, you're gonna feel your arm to be really sore, like almost as if you slept on your arm or something. For example, I've done that occasionally. So, you know, it's you're really gonna, you're gonna feel a little sore uh, getting out of bed, um, especially after. Uh, the first day after you do get the shot. Oh, yeah, my running streak is over. I am just getting this. Uh, I'm just getting this news right now. Mika Zabinajad, and this is, uh, you know, considering mm-hmm. the Rangers, how they've done contracts, considering how they've done contracts, they might just do this one. Uh, Mika Zabinajad, apparently on his next deal, is asking for $10 million per year. From the Rangers. Uh oh. That'll be a problem. And I don't know if they're gonna. I don't know if they're gonna give it one. I don't see it happening. Hey, I, I just I got to see his stats real quick because I got yeah. <laughs> fifty points in fifty six games. Uh, that's borderline. I 
right. don't know if I would say I don't know if I would say ten mil per year, maybe eight mil per year, but I don't know if I would say ten mil. I'll sell for seven and a half. Yeah, you know what? Uh so one of uh one of the people in, in the chat rooms uh literally just said to uh on one of the sites I'm on, uh one of them just said I like him and all, but I wouldn't pay a dime over seven and a half. Oh, I guess great minds think alike. Thank you. Yeah, so that's I mean that 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 is absolutely insane first off to to think that Zabinajad would be uh, would be requesting that much, I mean you're you're pretty much going to be handcuffing your your own team to begin with if you're if you're uh, yeah. demanding that much money. I mean, granted, he is a couple of seasons removed from seventy five point seasons, so maybe perhaps if. They go if they go back to a full eighty two game schedule, maybe perhaps he can still put up uh those big uh those big numbers. So assuming they are yeah, gonna do they a are full gonna game, go they are gonna do a full season. Yeah, they are gonna do a full season next year. So maybe I mean he had fifty points in fifty six games this year. So yes. Assuming he gets back up to the seventy five point level you know, maybe you could justify giving him a big contract like that, but I don't know if I would do 10 mil per year. You know, Uh, you're basically, you're basically handcuffing your own team with that. Like hell, uh, you know, Charlie McAvoy, he's probably in line for around, he's probably going to request about 10 mil per year from the Bruins, but uh, ultimately, he'll probably sign to a team-friendly deal, like somewhere around seven, eight million. Um, even though he is rising to eventually become probably one of the best defensemen in the league, uh, yeah. I guess there's no culture, I should say, around the uh, around the Rangers organization to where you know they're players won't take pay cuts basically. So they'll basically try to maximize their value uh all that they can, even if it even if it uh negatively affects their team. Which I mean that's fully understandable, you know. Uh you wanna maximize your value for as long as you're uh as long as you're playing meaningful seasons but you know at the same time if you want to have the best opportunity to to build a Stanley Cup contending team you also as a player you kind of have to make a little bit of a sacrifice i mean we've seen it happen with a whole bunch of different uh a whole bunch of different teams in in every in every sport i mean hell right. why why do people think the why do people think the patriots were so successful uh, the past two decades. Yeah. Because they had uh, they had players who were willing to take pay cuts if it meant being able to chase championship rings. So, obviously, I guess that's probably the next 
crossroads that the uh, that the New York Rangers organization is going to be at. Um, and also, that's another thing too. If if he gets ten mil per year, where does that leave them in their pursuit for Jack Eichel? Because uh, you know he has a he has a massive contract already, and or or yeah. he'll be expecting a massive contract. So, you know. That will put a that will put a wrench into their Jack Eichel uh, aspirations. Because if you if you if you do give Mika Zibanejad what he wants, you're almost essentially taking yourself out of the Eichel uh, equation. So something to think about, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's de- it's definitely uh, it's definitely something to think about. Um, let's see. Uh, some other football news. Uh, Cam, Cam Akers of the LA Rams will miss the entire season after tearing his Achilles tendon while training. Oh, yeah. Uh, devastating for the, for the Rams as Akers was poised to have a breakout campaign this year in his second year as a pro. Uh, so now it looks like the Rams, they're probably going to look to bring in a veteran, maybe Le'Veon Bell, Adrian Peterson, uh, Todd Gurley, mm. perhaps a reunion of a, a reunion with Todd Gurley. Perhaps it might be on mm. the, uh, on the horizon for the Rams, but it's a huge loss to that run offense. With them no longer having acres here. Uh, also, the Dolphins, according to Pro Football Network's Adam Beasley, the Dolphins would still consider trading for Deshaun Watson if his legal issues are resolved before the start of the season. As Watson is still, he still has those sexual misconduct allegations. Uh, there has been no update, actually, uh, for quite some time in that whole situation uh for now it's expected that he will sit out of the entire 2021 season right but if miami does enter the fray you're probably looking at tua tunga vailoa and multiple first round picks uh heading houston's way if they decide to uh to go after watson Uh, also, oh yeah, I did, I did mention, uh, Aaron Rodgers. He turned down a two, a two year extension, uh, that was offered. I don't know why he would do that. And the deal would have kept Rodgers in Green Bay for the next five years as he already has three years left on his current deal. Um, and it also, the extension, according to Adam Schefter, would have made him the highest paid player in football. And again, that my point. Why would you do that? You, in the game, in two years, you would be the highest paid, and you're just, you know, bitching about the management. Yeah, you know, it's it's weird the uh, the priorities that players yeah. that certain players have nowadays. Mm. 
you know, I mean, obvious, obviously, you know, you may not see eye to eye with management, but you're still technically you're an employee. I mean, hell, if you know, I, I, I should I should bring in uh, uh, an analogy uh, from uh, from Jim. If Jim had one of his employees uh, misbehave like Rogers is doing right now, Jim would probably fire one, uh, that employee. Yes, you know, with uh, with Rogers showing his ass like he is in handling this situation, uh, mm. but. Obviously, in the NFL, you know, it's a completely different story because technically uh, the players, they say it's a player-driven league, but let's not forget the owners still are the, you know, the owners and the general managers, they still have they still control every you. player's fate. Yeah, they still control them, exactly. So, Rogers, well, maybe yeah. Well, too harsh know, of a word, but you get the idea. Yeah, but it's still, you know, Rodgers can do all this crap, but, you know, the general manager has made it well known that he will not trade Rodgers under any circumstance whatsoever. So, you know, this, all of this fuss that Rodgers is doing is basically all for nothing, essentially. Uh, we do have one retirement. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers linebacker Van, uh, Vince Williams announced his retirement after eight NFL seasons. Uh, he was a sixth-round pick in the 2013 draft, and he spent his entire eight-year career with the Pittsburgh Steelers, making uh, or playing in 121 career games, starting 69 of those games while recording 479 tackles, 20 and a half sacks. Six fumble recoveries, two interceptions, and one touchdown uh, in the middle mm. of that Pittsburgh defense. So once again, Pittsburgh's uh, Pittsburgh's offensive or defensive line takes another critical hit this off season. Also, uh, the 49ers, they have signed Fred Warner to a five-year extension through 2026. Uh, this will make Warner the league's highest-paid off-ball linebacker with the extension valued at over $95 million, including 40 and a half mil in guaranteed money. Uh, this surpasses Bobby Wagner's 18 million per year mark, and Darius and the Colts Darius Leonard is expected to be next in line for a huge deal. So he could perhaps mm-hmm. surpass this current deal that's been uh, made by Fred Warner. Uh, Warner was an All-Pro first team last season at just 24 years old. Uh, he has started all 48 games he's appeared in since uh, being taken with the 70th overall pick of the 2018 NFL Draft. Oh, and uh, before we sign off, one last thing here. Uh, yes. DeAndre Hopkins, you know how I mentioned earlier that he, uh, he, may ju- he may sit out the season? Not only is he planning on sitting out the season, but he is also apparently threatening to retire. Uh, giving him that old incentive, huh? Uh, yeah. He, of course. He's planning, to re- he's, he's planning to retire as a protest against the NFL's pro-vaccine stance. So, like I said, you I know, 
you'll regret you'll re- you if you if you refuse it you're going to regret it later you're better off taking yeah. it yeah all right, so before this we is, get uh, kicked off because we're out of time i'll just leave it at that uh i don't know what i'm going to do it next week it's my mother's birthday so we might be celebrating it um so i'll have to get back so i don't know yet but um i'll try to be back next week same time same station good night all right All right, well, have a good night, Lou, and uh, a reminder to everybody who's listening uh, on demand here. uh, We will have the next edition of the Big Brother Recap Podcast this upcoming Friday night, uh, which should be the 30th, 30th, I believe. Yeah, the 30th, another edition of Big Brother the Big Brother 23 Recap Show, hosted by Melissa and myself. Uh, if you have not subscribed yet to the Missy AE podcast, you can do so by going to blogtalk.com slash blogtalkradio.com slash Missy AE or by subscribing on iTunes or Apple Podcasts by searching Missy AE. You'll get access to all of our Sports Whispers weekly content, all of our Survivor content and Big Brother content, and any of our podcasts that we've done in the past. Uh, so for Lou, uh, thank you guys for joining in tonight. I'm Steve, and uh, we will see you guys next week. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.